This is Jocko Podcast number 119 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. On September 11th, 400 miles from the collapsed World Trade Center towers, three dozen passengers and crew aboard United Flight 93 remained in airborne purgatory. Starting at 9.30 a.m. for some 30 minutes, 14 of them managed to telephone either loved ones or operators on the ground. Public relations man Mark Bingham got through to his aunt's home in California. This is Mark, he began. I want to let you guys know that I love you in case I don't see you again. Then I'm on United Airlines Flight 93. It's being hijacked. Two other callers from the plane not only provided information but also gleaned vital news from those they phoned. Tom Burnett, chief operating officer for a medical devices firm, made a number of brief calls to his wife, Dina. Speaking quietly, he asked her to contact the authorities and told her that a male passenger had been stabbed later that he had died. A woman, perhaps a flight attendant, was being held at knife point, and the hijackers claimed they had a bomb. Jeremy Glick, a salesman for an internet services company, also managed to phone. In a long conversation with his wife, Liz, Glick said the hijackers had put on these red headbands. They said they had a bomb. They looked Iranian. The bomb was in a red box, he said. The couple told each other how much they loved each other. Glick said, I don't want to die. And his wife assured him that he would not. She urged him to keep a picture of her and their 11-week-old daughter in his head to think good thoughts. Burnett's wife who had been watching the news on television, told him that two planes had crashed into the World Trade Center. My God, he responded, it's a suicide mission. By the time he phoned a third time after news of the crash into the Pentagon, she told him about that too. Burnett seems to have been seated beside Glick and apparently relayed all this information to him. Were they to do nothing... The two men must have agreed they were sure to die anyway when the hijackers crashed the plane. They resolved to fight for their lives. A group of us, Burnett told his wife, are getting ready to do something. I'm going to take a vote, Glick said on his call. There's three other guys as big as me and we're thinking of attacking the guy with the bomb. So began the minutes of brave resistance, the clearly defined act of courage that has lived on in the national memory. Glick and others were equipped in more ways than one to confront the hijackers. Glick was six foot one and a former college judo champion. Burnett at six foot two had played quarterback for his high school football team mark bingham was a huge man six foot four and at 31 still playing rugby a few years earlier he had fended off a mugger who had a gun 
His mother got the impression as he talked from Flight 93 that her son was talking confidently with a fellow passenger. She felt that maybe someone had organized a plan. At 9.42, a GTE Verizon supervisor based near Chicago began handling a call from yet another powerfully built Flight 93 passenger. Todd Beamer, a star Oracle software salesman, was married with two sons and his wife was expecting again. He first dialed his home number, but either failed to get through or thought better of it. Instead, explaining that he did not want to upset his pregnant wife, he asked the phone supervisor, Lisa Jefferson, to pass along a loving message. As they talked, Beamer suddenly exclaimed, Shit! Oh my God! We're going down! Jesus, help us! From the passengers around Beamer came prolonged shrieks of terror. Then he said, No, wait! We're coming back up. I think we're okay now. Shaken, Beamer asked Jefferson to say the Lord's Prayer with him, Our Father, who art in heaven. Just before Beamer and the operator had begun talking, Cleveland lost Cleveland Control lost Flight 93's transponder, the signal that indicates an airplane's location and altitude. At 9.55, the hijacker pilot set a navigational aid relating to the plane's direction. He was heading, it indicated, for Washington, D.C. Jeremy Glick, still on the phone to his wife, Liz, said, I know I could take this guy with the bomb. Then... Joking, he had mentioned that the hijackers had knives. I still have my butter knife from breakfast. Todd Beamer, continuing his conversation with the GTE supervisor Jefferson, told her that he and a few others were getting together to jump the guy with the bomb. Was he sure that that was what he wanted to do? Yes, came the response. I'm going to have to go out on faith. I don't have much of a choice. The plane was flying erratically again. Operator Jefferson heard the sounds of an awful commotion, raised voices, more screams. Then, are you guys ready? And Todd Beamer's voice saying, let's roll. A phrase that in family life he'd like to use to get his children moving. Okay, Jeremy Glick told his wife Liz, I'm going to do it. His wife told him he was strong and brave and that she loved him. Okay, he said again, I'm going to put the phone down, I'm going to leave it here and I'm going to come right back to it. Liz handed the phone to her father, ran to the bathroom and gagged. Flight attendant Sandra Bradshaw was in the galley, boiling water for the passengers to throw on the hijackers. On the phone to her husband, she signed off quickly. Everyone's running up to first class. I've got to go. Bye. The cockpit voice recorder registered the moment the hijackers realized what was happening. At just before 9.58, a hijacker asks, Is there something? A fight? 
There's a knock on the door followed by the sounds of fighting. Then in Arabic, let's go guys. Allah is the greatest. Allah is greatest. Oh guys, Allah is greatest. Oh Allah, oh Allah, oh the most gracious. Then loudly, stay back. A male voice, a native English speaking voice that Tom Burnett's wife has recognized as that of her husband is heard saying, in the cockpit, in the cockpit, followed by a voice exclaiming in Arabic, they want to get in here, hold, hold from the inside, hold. Then from several English speakers in unison, hold the door, and then from a single English speaker, stop him, followed repeatedly by, sit down, sit down, then again from an English speaker, let's get them. Flight 93 now down to 5,000 feet, had begun rolling left and right. Jeremy Glick's father-in-law, listening intently on the phone his daughter had handed to him, now heard screams in the background. On the cockpit voice recorder, there is the sound of combat continuing, then in Arabic. There is nothing. Shall we finish it off? No, not yet. When they all come, we finish it off. Then from Tom Burnett, I am injured. The flight data recorder indicates that the plane pitched up and down, climbed to 10,000 feet, turned. Glick's father-in-law, phone clapped to his ear, heard more shrieks, muffled now like those of people riding on a roller coaster. In Arabic, on the voice recorder, Oh Allah, Oh Allah, Oh Gracious. In English, in the cockpit, If we don't, we'll die. In Arabic, up, down, up, down, up, down. From a distance, perhaps, from Todd Beamer, roll it crashing sounds then in Arabic Allah is the greatest Allah is the greatest is that it I mean shall we put it down yes put it in and pull it down cut off the oxygen cut off the oxygen cut off the oxygen up down up down up down more violent noises for as long as a minute and then apparently from a native English speaker shut them off go go move move turn it up then in Arabic down down pull it down pull it down down apparently from an English speaker down push 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 In Arabic, hey, hey, give it to me, 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 give it to me. Intermittent, loud air noise on the cockpit recorder. Moments later, in Arabic, Allah is the greatest, Allah is the greatest, Allah is the greatest, Allah is the greatest, Allah is the greatest. There's sounds of further struggle and a loud shout from a native English speaker, no. 
two seconds later in Arabic in a whisper now Allah is the greatest Allah is the greatest Allah is the greatest Allah is the greatest Jeremy Glick's father-in-law still listening on the ground heard high-pitched screams coming over the line Glick had left open when he left the join to join the rush to the cockpit then wind sounds followed by banging noises as though the phone aboard the plane was repeatedly being banged on a hard surface after that Silence on the phone. Silence on the cockpit voice recorder. And that is an excerpt from a book called The Eleventh Day, which came out in 2011 by... Anthony Summers and Robin Swan and we all know what that silence meant flight 93 crashed into a field near the diamond tea mine in Stony Creek Township Somerset County Pennsylvania killing 33 innocent passengers seven innocent crew members and four demonic hijackers that day changed my world and it changed our world the world as we knew it and it commenced years and years and years of war that has cost so many lives and at some point on this podcast I'm sure we'll go into more details about the horrors of September 11th. There'll probably be multiple podcasts, but for today, I wanted to focus on one aspect of one part of the life of one man on that flight, the man named Jeremy Glick, who by all accounts was an amazing human being a son and a husband and a father but for those of us who fight or who train martial arts in general something caught our ears when we heard about the heroics on flight 93 we heard that Jeremy Glick was a martial artist that he was a wrestler and that he was a judoka And as a wrestler He was a competitive all-state wrestler for saddle 
River Day School in northern New Jersey. And if you know anything about New Jersey wrestling, it's an extremely competitive wrestling state. And beyond that, as a judo player, Glick was an American national collegiate judo champion while he was a student at the University of Rochester. And in September of 2008, seven years after the incident, September 11th, there was a memorial ceremony at the crash site in Pennsylvania. And the United States Judo Association placed a granite stone there as a memorial with an inscription on it. And the inscription reads, the United States Judo Association promoted Jeremy Glick to the highest rank of black belt for living the principle of judo. Mutual welfare and benefit, sacrificing his life for our country, September 11th. 2001 living the principle of judo and that's a bold statement it indicates something very powerful and very meaningful and as a patriot and as a martial artist and specifically as a jiu-jitsu practitioner which is where judo was derived from. I wanted to explore a little deeper into the principles of judo to see what we can learn from it. And I don't want to go into the full details of explaining the relationships between jiu-jitsu and judo, but it is a very close relationship. It was one of Jigoro Kano's top students, and Kano's the creator of judo, but Maida that brought jiu-jitsu to Brazil from Japan and introduced jiu-jitsu to Carlos and Elio Gracie. And that's the beginning of Brazilian jiu-jitsu as we know it today. And Maida even called it jiu-jitsu. He didn't call it judo. And from what I understand at that time, even Kano had not been actually calling it judo in Japan. He hadn't renamed it yet. He was still calling it jujitsu, and, and some people were calling it Kano jujitsu or Kodokan jujitsu. But jujitsu, especially Brazilian jujitsu, is without question rooted in judo. And if you trace it back just a little bit further, judo is also rooted back into jujitsu. That's where judo came from. Judo came from jujitsu. And mixed in with all that, there's all kinds of evolution and there's changes and there's politics and there's history but there's that thread that ties them all together and that thread can be recognized in many of the principles that are shared both in judo and in jiu-jitsu the same principles that played a role in jeremy glick's attitude on that clear sunny september day And perhaps we can all learn something from those principles and to look at those principles. I thought it would be best to go to the source. And I 
have a book called Mind Over Muscle that is, it's, it's a compilation of writings from Jigoro Kano. And Kano was a, a very interesting person. He was, a, he was an educator. He was a pioneer in sports. He worked with the Olympic Committee. He was a jiu-jitsu practitioner, eventually founded judo, and he founded the most famous judo school, the original judo school, the Kodokan. And the book, like I said, as, as you can tell by the title, it's a compilation of different sources of his writings, and there's a little bit of overlap and repeat, and I'll do a little bit of that. But what I like about it is it gives a good overall view of the ideas and the vision that Kano had for judo. So I know there's a lot of judo practitioners out there and obviously a lot of jujitsu practitioners out there that listen to the podcast and everyone knows that these two are closely related and sometimes there's, uh, I guess you'd say, tension between the two sometimes. But the fact of the matter is they're so closely related that it's, it'd, be more, it'd be more intelligent instead of look for the tension between the two to find where the two can complement each other. So here we're going to the book. And once again, the book is Mind Over Muscle, Writings from the Founder of Judo, Jigoro Kano. And here we go to start it off. The Purpose of Jiu-Jitsu. See, interestingly, he starts this off talking about jiu-jitsu. He's not even talking about judo yet. The original purpose of jiu-jitsu was to practice a method of combat. While combat may have been at the core of jiu-jitsu practice, it also had the related goals of physical education and mental training. There is little dispute that because training to fight involves moving the body in various ways, jiu-jitsu indirectly became a form of physical education, but for the same reason it also became a method for training the mind. All forms of combat require ingenuity and the use of various tricks and devices. So all forms of combat, all forms of combat, this is important because when if you're, if you're a, a soldier or you're a Marine or you're a airman right now we're talking about everything that you do and i'll tell you what if you're a business person we're talking about what you're doing too all forms of combat require ingenuity and the use of various tricks and devices so in the course of jujitsu training the mind is unconsciously trained in many ways courage composure composure and other traits that are beneficial in life can also be developed now i'll tell you what this is important because people ask me a lot like uh, you know, how'd you figure all this stuff out, Jocko? Like people ask me that. Mm. And, you know, I, I always try and explain, you know, like it was a long course and I was in the military for a long time and I had an open mind and I listened and paid attention to the, the people that were leading me and I paid attention to the good ones and I paid attention to the bad ones. But I'll tell you, if I didn't, I, I, jujitsu opened my mind up and did these things. And again, unconsciously, like I started to perceive things the way that I was learning jujitsu. Mm. And that's why, and I've got some, I've got, you know, I've got friends that I've gotten into jujitsu over the years and you can tell, and I don't know what makes some people get the bug and some people don't get the bug, but if you get the bug and you start to think in a jujitsu mindset, then you'll, it'll really open up your mind. Now, that being said, 
there's some people that are heavily into jujitsu, but they don't apply jujitsu to the, the other aspects of their life, which is a big mistake. Mm-hmm. It's a big mistake. You got to apply it both ways. And, and I think that's one of the things that, that Kano was trying to do with judo was to ensure that you did that, to ensure that his students did that. Mm. All right. Back to the book. It was my belief that with a few improvements, jujitsu could become a comprehensive method of physical education, intellectual training, and moral education. I therefore spent several years developing my ideas and finally established the Kodokan Judo. I did this by thoroughly researching the jujitsu that had existed up until the time, up until that time as much as possible, keeping what I felt should be kept, discarding what I felt should be discarded, thoroughly studying the techniques and theories and establishing them in a way that would be most applicable to today's society. He's not even talking about just combat. He's talking about like, he's not just talking about fighting. He's like talking about applying these things to society. So there's a little bit of, I think he was young when he did this too. He established the Kodokan at a very young age. I want to say he was like 22 years old. He was really young. So he studied jujitsu, thought some things were good about it, thought some things were bad about it, and said, I'm going to make my own deal. Mm. Now, here we talk a little bit here. There There were various reasons why I chose not to use the term jujitsu, which described what was ordinarily practiced and instead employ the name judo. The main reason was that do, the, the do part of ju, judo, it means way, is the major force, is the major focus of what the Kodokan teaches, whereas jitsu, skill, is incidental. I also wanted to make it clear that judo was a means of embarking on the way. So he saw this as like a complete, a complete life system. Right, gotcha. not not just yeah. fighting. This is the way. Yeah. Judo is the way for him, and that's why he, instead of calling it jujitsu, he called it, you know, not not t- techniques, but like the way. Right. Back to the book. When we talk about jujitsu today, people often think of a technique in which one does only dangerous things, such as choking an opponent and bending his joints, or even in extreme cases, killing him. Essentially, we think of something that is harmful to the whole bo- to the body while offering no benefits. True jujitsu does not espouse this. In particular, the Kodokan judo I devised never involves doing anything dangerous. I cannot stress enough that what I advocate is far from a violent or dangerous sport. Now, sure, I understand the principle there, but just so everyone knows, judo doesn't play around. No, <laughs> if, you've, if you've gone with a high-level ju- judo player, you are getting thrown hard and aggressively onto your head. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a brutal sport. It's, uh, it's very aggressive. Yeah. Do you think that that's how, or that's what, because when it comes down to the essence, it's kind of like, and this is just me totally guessing, where mm-hmm. judo, well, as it is now, it's like, okay, the goal is basically to, to put the guy on his back. That's mm-hmm. it. To put him down on the ground. Not to hit him, not to knock him, not For put sure. him on the ground, right? Just kind of seems, oh, okay, that's oh, yeah, not really yeah. violent. That's, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. that's kind of the little friendly yeah. competition. Put him on the ground. Yeah. 
Not with any competitive situation. Uh-oh. Guys are going to get <laughs> after it. And it slowly just evolves into just all these escalates. crazy things. It doesn't evolve. It escalates. Yeah, it yeah. escalates even just the whole way. So even con- uh, consider like basketball, for example. The goal, put that ball in that basket. That's it. You can go from here, come close, mm-hmm. lay up, whatever. Then you, you get this competitive drive, these people, athletic abilities, all this stuff. Now, it's turning into weird slam dunks now. Brad, you didn't have to slam dunk that thing. But it's still <laughs> the same thing, putting the ball you know, in the thing yeah. just in this weird aggressive I, I guess yeah I guess yeah I guess a, I guess a layup compared to a tomahawk slam dunk but, right yeah and if you compare a uh let's say some sort of a basic takedown compared to like a full ipon head smash head, yeah. yeah I could see your I could see your comparison see what I'm saying there's though? an escalation yeah, and then the in his mind he was like, "Hey, look, this is just a takedown." Yeah. You tell that to a twenty-one-year-old judo competitor <laughs> that's got you in the air. That yeah. ain't just a takedown. Yep. You're it's gonna pay the work. man. Yeah, exactly right. Just like you know, a basket, a basket. You know, oh yeah, he made that basket. No, but he slammed on you and you know embarrassed you in front yeah. of it. You know, like it, it goes into this whole different realm. But the essence is still there, though. You know? Just a basket. Just a basket. Just a takedown. Yep. All right, here we go. Uh, back to the book. The organization of Kodokan Judo is basically the same today as it was when I established it. But at that time, when explaining Judo, I divided it into three parts. Its use as a fighting method, martial art, as a training method, physical education, and as a method of mental training, including the development of the intellect and morals and the application of the principles of Judo to everyday life. See, this is again, this is what's interesting to me is, and he said it was subconscious. Like, I subconsciously, especially in the beginning with jujitsu, and I'll tell you, it was beyond just me applying jujitsu to like my life and to what I had learned about combat. I also took what I had learned about combat and applied that into jujitsu, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I said, oh, yeah, you know what? This is like when you flank someone, right? Yeah. Like, even. Even when I first learned, one of the one of the biggest wake up calls that you get early in jujitsu is like, oh, what I need to do is attack your neck, and when you defend your neck, I take your arm. Right. That's yeah. a flank, right? That's yeah, just yeah, a straight yeah. up flank. Mm-hmm. That's that's a game changer. Like that's a mm-hmm. complete game changer. When you realize that, that's a complete game changer. Well, the there's a seal buddy of mine that had been training when I first started out. He'd been training for like a year. No, but he'd been training off and on, kind of. F- bits and pieces, and so then I started training hardcore, like That's every right. day. Hell yeah. So after like two weeks, like literally two weeks, I went and trained with him, and I and I got him like a bunch of times, and I was all pumped up. And, and I said to him, I was like, hey, you know what, the mistake that you're making is you're trying, you're going for my arm, and I know you're going yeah. for my arm, and I know how to defend that. I was like, you gotta go for something else. And then like a week later, we rolled again, and he got me. He did what I told <laughs> him to do to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, dang. Yep. Oh, dang. So that was a big wake up call. Mm-hmm. It's a big, not even a it's, it's a revelation when you realize, oh, you, you've got to do, you got to set, you got to flank the person. Yeah. That's what you have to do. Yeah. Big wake up call. So crazy when you see two people rolling and all they're doing is flanking each other. Oh, and yeah. And you're flanking the flank. You, flank the you flank, know, it's the flank, like, yeah. Whoa, and he gets but, deep. but what's interesting is as I started working with like leaders and teaching about leadership, how important the idea of what flanking is from a leadership and a, and a human interaction perspective. Mm-hmm. Another situation, you got to flank people. You want to attack that ego? Yep. All right. Back to the book. Two methods of instruction are used. 
Kata, which is form, and Randori, which is free practice. It's what we call in the jiu-jitsu rolling. <laughs> when establishing the Kodokan, I employed a method that emphasized Randori and by which Kata naturally came to be understood during Randori practice. This is rather, so he focused on rolling a lot when he established Kodokan. Pay attention, this is very interesting Randori, stuff. That's Randori, that's like It's free training, it's rolling. It's rolling. Just gotta remember that. Yeah. Use it. This is rather like teaching composition without using a grammar book or teaching the basis of grammar while teaching how to write an essay. So this is like, hey yeah. man, write this down and you're gonna make some corrections yeah. and like that's, that's basically rolling live, right? Yeah. When there were only a few people undergoing the training, this was not a problem. But the number of beginners gradually increased and it became impossible to teach kata at the same time as randori. So a few years after I established Kodokan Judo, I created 15 kata for throws and 10 kata for combat called Kime no Kata, which meant forms of self-defense. So he realized he couldn't teach the same way. He couldn't teach the masses. <laughs> so what you know that's that's a big change, right? There's a big, big change. For anyone that's not into martial arts, there's a big, big difference between rolling and learning kata. And, and matter of fact, we make fun of kata, right? I'm not saying that's a good thing. Yeah. But we, we I, I shouldn't say we completely make fun of it, but like I'll see Dean and let's say he's, I can tell he's tired, mm-hmm. you know? He's looking all worn out mm-hmm. and I'll see him and I'm like, oh yeah, hey, what's going on, man? You wanna train some kata today? <laughs> Meaning, hey, are we just going to go through the motions, right, like right. not actually drill? And, you you know, drill. Like, no, no, yeah. we're going to train, right? Yeah. So that when I say make fun yeah, of it, yeah, you don't make fun of it because because what we call kata basically in jujitsu, we call it drilling. Yeah, right. You're going to drill this, yes. drill, drill, drill. Which drilling is part of winning. You got to drill to win, right? Andre Galvao. Drillers make killers. Drillers make killers. That's there, it was all those things. <laughs> that being said, we all know if you do nothing but drill you're not gonna be able to pull these moves off going live. And this, with the old, tradi- what we now call traditional martial arts, that was all kata. Mm-hmm. And all kata will get you nowhere. That's when the guys, when you saw the the 90s, when the jujitsu invasion happened, mm-hmm. you know, the guy would try his 12 point strike kata method against a blue belt in jujitsu, the blue belt would do a sloppy double, double leg, take him down to the ground and choke him out. Because yeah. they rolled live, they yeah. did randori. So, you have to have balance, but you gotta train live, Randori. And at the same time, you gotta drill too. Mm-hmm. So be careful. Don't do too much of one. Seems like the drilling helps you get a hold of what you do with your body. And then the, the Randori, the light, the rolling yeah. gives you uh, um, you know, control or, or better skill in dealing with other people's well, for body. Sure. So and that's what Jesus is both, you know, and, where you can kinda And you're gonna get you're gonna get um, reactions that are different, right? Right. And this is the, the same other, thing. This is the same thing. Like when I was training guys in the teams, like you could teach them the basics of how to enter a room and then how to move down a hallway. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you put a a, 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 a another Enemy. person there going against them, yeah, it was like they, different things happen. Yeah, different things are gonna happen, and you got to be ready for it. So you have to go live. I t- I've told I told you this story before, but when when I first started playing basketball. And my coach had the old school <laughs> had the old school Hoosiers coach, right? Yeah. You know the old school. You seen the movie Hoosiers? No. Oh, dang! <laughs> so in Hoosiers, the guy's old school coach, like, hey, no, you're not even allowed to shoot. We're defense, defense, defense. Run yeah. the drills, drill, drill, drill. We never scrimmaged. And the first time I played in a real game, I, it was the first time I played in a real game. 
I went down the court and like called the play and expected to be able to execute the play that yeah. we had run the little pattern mm-hmm. and the the, the uh, other point guard just picked me off. I was in seventh or eighth grade. He just picked <laughs> off every pass I threw. I was just because I'd never done Randori on the basketball court. Never yeah. scrimmaged. Never played. Yeah. Just got to balance those two. All right. Uh, next. Back to the book. Next, I would like to briefly discuss free practice involving throwing and grappling techniques, which I will refer to by their Japanese names. So the two Japanese names that he's going to use are Katami Waza and Nagawazi. Now, now Waza means technique, right? Mm-hmm. And you probably knew that. A lot of us, we, a lot of us in jiu-jitsu we talk about, or we, we, what we know about judo, we talk about Nawaza, and N-E-W-A-Z-A. Nawaza means groundwork. Mm. That's what it means. Mat work, mm-hmm. basically, is what it means. I think I think the ne actually means like laying down or sleeping or something like that. So it means huh. you're down on the ground. <laughs> Katami waza is the Katami waza is like the grappling part, but you're not necessarily you're not necessarily laying down in all grappling positions. Gotcha. So that's why yeah. they call it Katami waza. But but Nagi waza is the throws. All right, so here we go. Back to the book. When I was training, I practiced Katamiwaza quite a bit, but after coming to appreciate Nagawaza, I came to believe that Nagawazi should be emphasized in the technical training aspects of judo. This does not mean I considered Katamiwaza to be useless, of course, but I stress practicing Nagawaza first, followed then by Katamiwaza. So he focused on the throwing techniques. This is because doing Katamiwaza first hinders progress in Nagiwaza. While it makes sense that learning Nagawaza first makes it easier to remember Katamiwaza as at a later stage. When I established Kodakon, I encouraged the practice of Nagiwaza precisely for that reason. As a result, at that time, a great, great number of experts in Nagiwaza were fostered in the early years of the Kodakon. As a result of emphasizing Nagawaza, however, Katamiwaza gradually became neglected. That's very interesting. So anyone that knows anything about judo and jiu-jitsu, one of the biggest differences is in jiu-jitsu, we focused a ton on groundwork. Mm-hmm. Too much. Well, you could say too much, right? Because mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's jiu-jitsu people that don't know how to take someone down. Yeah. And that's very problematic. So... He's saying that hey, he focused on that and you can kind of hear what he's saying so If you it's real easy to ignore the stand-up when you realize how effective the ground game is and you also realize that if you if you Understand how to take the person down then you then you're gonna get in good positions and all that mm-hmm. So he just kind of leaned in that direction and says that it ends up getting a little bit neglected and also if you don't know the rules of judo Emphasize the takedowns because the rules of judo if I take you down if I throw you with an ippon Which means something some other body part other than your feet touches the ground mm. before your feet do it, d- During a throw I win automatically instant win. It's like a submission Yeah, and so because of that they they practice a lot of stand-up Yeah, whereas in jiu-jitsu you can get thrown ten times and you can still catch a person in a triangle yeah. And you win yeah. you can be on the ground doesn't matter yeah. and you can get pinned in judo, too if you get held down for 30 seconds, about 30, I think it's 30 seconds on, on your back, you get pinned, you lose. Yeah. That doesn't happen in jiu-jitsu. You can have someone across side on you for four, yeah. seven, eight minutes. Eight minutes, yeah. Just, you haven't even moved. Yeah. You didn't lose, and you s- sneak out of there mm-hmm. and grab a little Kimura. You get the victory. <laughs> sure. 
All right, back to the book. At the Kodokan, we study and practice techniques with the purpose of using mental and physical energy most efi- most effectively in order to achieve one's goal no matter what the endeavor, which is the basic principle of judo. And he's going to talk about this a ton. The basic principle of judo is like efficiency. So those in training do not merely, now, but this is so important. Those in training do not merely imitate the actions of the master or practice without understanding the reasons behind what they are doing but rather consider the methods and train in accordance with detailed principles. For that reason, what once took five or six years to achieve can now be accomplished in three years. This is huge in jiu-jitsu, and I saw this transition take place. When I started learning jiu-jitsu, we learned moves. Now, everyone teaches concepts. I mean, you still teach moves, but if you don't know the principles of them, and it's the same thing when I was teaching guys in the teams, like you teach them a a maneuver on the battlefield, you can learn the mechanics of the move on the battlefield, but if you don't understand why those mechanics are important, then it doesn't make, you don't even have, you don't have it, you don't get it. Same thing in the business world. You can tell someone like, hey, here's what you should tell your subordinates right now. Yeah, yeah. But that technique, they can use it and it'll work okay, but that's nothing compared to saying, here's why it's important that you tell your subordinates this thing and here's how you want to lead them. That's what gives them the game is when they understand the principles. Yeah. Yeah, that's why those introductory courses are so critical. And I'm talking about jiu-jitsu, obviously, where you get a, a new guy, first day guy, and he jumps in a class, and yeah. in the class they're teaching you know, the mechanics of a certain move. Meanwhile, everyone in the class, they're not first day people. They know the concepts behind it, but they come in and it's just it's a, just a different language. It doesn't stick. Yeah, you it's just can, mechanical yeah, moves. Yeah, it's like trying to teach someone, if you, if, you, if you had a non-native English speaker, and you walk in and you're gonna teach him a, you know, a vocabulary word, yeah. which is like, you know, audacious. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he has no context to put that in. That's not the yeah. word to teach him. He doesn't even know how to say I. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So when you te- start teaching someone a Uma Plata, yeah, and they don't understand what an arm lock are, is, they're gonna have issues. Yeah, that's like teaching give them, them the fundamentals. Uh, do you want ketchup with that? Teach someone who doesn't know any English. Do you want ketchup with? It? Teach them that, and then send them out. He doesn't know when to use that. You know, I know how to say it. Well, you're not just gonna roll into the post office and be like, "Hey, do you want ketchup with that?" <laughs> doesn't make sense. No, it does unusable. Not. Back to the book. Various records and accounts have been passed down over the ages with regard to the true meaning of jujitsu. Then he's talking about the actual word jujitsu, but few of them are accurate. It can be said, though, that the name apparently derived from the expression juyoko go osheshu, which can be translated as softness controls hardness. This expression needs closer attention. <laughs> Let's assume I have an opponent who possesses power val- to the value of 10, whereas I must face this opponent with power only to the value of seven. When my opponent thrusts at me with all of his energy, it follows that if I resist, I will be overcome even if I expend all my power. If, however, rather than resist my more powerful opponent, I adjust and adapt to his energy and pull back, he will fall forward under the strength of his own attack. His power of 10 will become merely a power of 3, and he will stumble and lose his balance. I will not be pulled off balance and can pull away, maintain my stance, and retain my original power of 7. In short, resisting a more powerful opponent will result in your defeat. Whilst adjusting you... Two and evading your opponent's attack will cause him to lose his balance, his power will be reduced, and you will defeat him. This can apply whatever the relative values of power, thus making it possible for weaker opponents to beat significantly stronger ones. 
There you go. Yes, sir. That's the way it works. Can a level ten beat a level? Can a level one beat a level ten? That's tricky. There's that a there's a there's a point, pain. right? Yeah. There's a point where, like, yeah. It's yeah, because it's there's like even that what he's talking about. I like how he did it in numbers, like mm-hmm. how he did that. Um, but the reality is like that. It's uh, again cool to have the numbers, but it's not. They're not absolute numbers. There's a lot of gray area in there. So the idea is to take his ten and use almost like using part of his ten for on top of your seven because you're going the same oh, way. Sure. But. It's like how much of that ten are you going to use? If you're one, you better be using nine. You better you know? be a master. Yeah, you got to be using a lot of his number. You know, his but numbers. this is one of those things. This is one of those things that I subconsciously learned from jujitsu, and I applied it all the time, especially in dealing with relationships. And I've talked about it here a million times. Of like, hey, don't attack the ego. Don't attack the strong point. Right. Yeah. That's just complete. Just just complete jujitsu mentality. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. And and it works. If you attack that strong point, Sun Tzu, Art of War, twenty five hundred years old. If you attack the def- heavily defended position, you're you're not going to win. Yeah. If you go against a power of ten and you've only got a power seven, you're not going to win. Yeah, not going to happen. Even if you use full power, even that, if that's you use full power. Scary. In fact, it's going to be worse for you, especially if the other guy knows he's going to use that seven. He's going <laughs> to use that in addition to his ten. He's going to beat you with a seventeen to zero. Yeah, and <laughs> actually, that actually backs up. Or kind of refers back to your point where can a, when you say can a level one beat a level ten, so a level if they both know jujitsu or judo, oh, yeah, yeah, then eh, you know yeah. it's way because no. he knows the same thing as you. But yeah. you know if you're nine, if you're better than the guy, a factor no, of sure. nine, then you know your for chances sure. start to go up this, it's as a one. For sure. No doubt, no doubt about that. But I think that's where people they they get jammed up, where they're like, "Hey, what? Do, I thought size didn't matter in jujitsu." Oh. Well, yeah, if everyone's doing jujitsu, of yeah. course size matters. Yeah. Just like conditions gonna matter. Just like how tall it matters, how strong it matters. Yeah. When you all know the jujitsu, yeah. When you, that's like a dude said the other day. Um, jujitsu is not important as important in the UFC as it was. The guy that just beat Verdum, big, tall, badass guy from yeah. Russia. Kalkoff or something uh, Sorry, bro uh, He but he said hey, it's not as important anymore And the fact that you're right, you know, why it's not as important because everybody knows, knows it, it. Yeah, so yeah, it's not as important if you go you roll in there without knowing any jujitsu You're gonna get yeah submitted you see how important so yes, it is. Yeah, 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 exactly All right back to the book. There's a popular parable that goes thus a jujitsuka which means a jiu-jitsu practitioner, was grabbed by a sumo wrestler. At that point, the jujitsuka said, you're a sumo wrestler, yet you can't grab any tighter than that? Angered, the sumo wrestler attempted to adjust his grip. As he did so, he loosened it slightly. At that moment, the jujitsuka quickly lowered his body and escaped from the sumo wrestler's grip. <laughs> All right. Now, there's another. We're going to talk about this theory called Siroko. Shazen Katsuyu. And I apologize to everyone that speaks Japanese. I'm sorry. Tim Ferriss, I'm sorry. I should have waited for you to come and do this with me so you could correct me. But here, here we go. One's mental and physical energy must be used most effectively in order to achieve a certain goal. That is to say, one must apply the most effective method or technique for using the mind and body. If we use the term Siryoko, for one's mental and physical energy, this should be expressed Shiryoko Shazen Katsuyo, 
which means best use of one's energy. We can shorten this simply to Siryoku Zenyo, which means maximum efficiency. Maximum efficiency. This means that no matter what the goal, no matter what the goal, in order to achieve it, you must put your mental and physical energy to work in the most effective manner. This is like common sense, right? But how often are we wasting energy? <laughs> how often are we wasting energy? We're wasting energy all the time. Back to the book. When I was a child, I learned the jujitsu of the past. However, the, that jujitsu had no basic principle. I learned various methods from one teacher. He taught me how to place my hips and pull to throw an opponent and how to choke someone, but he did not teach me anything about what principles were involved or how to apply those principles. But that's, I think that's the same that as jujitsu hit America, I think everyone was learning like that. Like mm. here's how you choke someone, mm. but you weren't learning the system. As I studied further, I found that one one teacher taught differed from what another taught. There was no basis upon which to decide which one was correct. That was the reason I began to make a thorough study of jiu-jitsu. Now, what I would say about that is, you don't need to decide which one is correct. Like when you learn an arm bar from one person, you learn an arm bar from someone else, you're gonna learn good things from both of them. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them is correct. And one of them might be correct in this situation mm-hmm. or with this body style and the other one's correct in a different situation with a different body style. Mm-hmm. I think if we looked at Kano's personality traits, like he's a guy that's real orderly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, uh, yeah, he's a real guy like Jordan Peterson. People would put him in the high conscientious and high or, high and orderly. He's a very <laughs> orderly person. Mm-hmm. And so for him, like there's a right answer and there's a wrong answer. Mm-hmm. And I think you see that in judo, and that's why judo is much more disciplined, mm. highly disciplined. Like, go to a judo competition. There are no yelling and screaming. Go to a jiu-jitsu competition, yeah. it's mayhem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And they've tried to tighten that up. Like, they try and make it less crazy, mm-hmm. but they haven't succeeded. Mm, jiu-jitsu's yeah. crazy. Jiu-jitsu yeah. competitions are crazy. Judo yeah. competitions are not like that. Yeah. Bro, did you see, there was a clip, a judo clip on online, wherever I saw it, but it, it's a clip in... in so this guy wins, right? Real dramatic win. Like maybe he wasn't supposed to win or I don't know, maybe it's an upset. Maybe not. Or maybe it was the finals. I don't know. But it was a real dramatic win. He wins and he's like, you know how they yell and they be all, all happy or whatever. He did that and he kind of stood over the guy. Ooh. Just for a second. Like a split, like pretty short. DQ. DQ. Yeah. Just like that. So legit. Like, man, in jiu-jitsu, MMA. Oh right? You see God, that all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and, see, that's, that's the, that's. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is like that is a quality thing. You know, yeah. it's too, and and I guess this is different on the East Coast or West Coast. Uh, the East Coast, like one of my buddies, Joe, he came and watched some wrestling with me, some high school wrestling, and they, they I forget what the, they penalize people like. Oh no, you're not allowed to do that. Yeah. Like they're strict. Like when you get done, when you get done. Uh, Wrestling, you just got pinned. You get up, you get to the center of the mat, you put your hand out to shake hands. That's it. Yeah, There's yeah. no complaining to the ref. Yeah. There's no this other crap. No, you do what you're supposed to do. And that's awesome. Because yeah. that you know what that teaches people? It teaches people how to control their emotions. Yeah, huh? Yeah. I, I remember in Pop Warner, you know, my only frame of reference was watching football on TV, NFL. Do you just and you spiking, see him spiking that ball. the ball, doing the icky shuffle back in my day. Icky you know, Icky Woods. Anyway, back in the day. Um and so, you know, we play Pop Warner football yeah. my first year. I knew that our coach was super disciplined, mm-hmm. like the kind where you had to, everyone had to wear high white socks, white shoes, like it yeah. was real discipline. And I'd see other teams and they different color shoes, all this stuff. That's all I knew though. So it was clear. You couldn't 
spike the ball. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do any dance or whatever. You give the ball to the ref. That's that's it when you make a touchdown. So we played this team that will remain nameless, and they go. They do, you don't want to bring up the old rivalries. No, no, no. no, no, no tell them what's gonna happen. <laughs> so they make a, actually it was a, a team from out of town actually, uh-huh. and they he spiked the ball. Little kid spiked the ball and does the thing or whatever. Straight up flag. It's a it's a penalty. Oh, even actually even in college it's like that. Oh, right. I, I think, don't know. Yeah, in college football it's like that. You can do you can do more for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but yeah, pop Warner, anything. If yeah. you do anything, you you throw the ball. You put your hands up for too long. If you put your hands up for too long after you make a touchdown, that's a penalty. Unsportsmanlike conduct. That's legit, right? I think so, especially as little kids. I think so, especially even as big kids. Yeah, I think my that, dad used to that's say, good stuff. "When Control you're your when you're a professional." Um, this is what he said: When you're a professional football player, you can and you make a touchdown. Uh, something about like that's your job or whatever. So yeah, you 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 have the right to be happy about it. That was kind of <laughs> it. But when I think about it now, it's like shoot, if you're a professional, you focus on your profession. You think so? I guess it's whatever your philosophy is. And you could say like UFC. I mean, it's really cool. It's so much cooler when someone wins and they just are like check. Yeah, it's what? like you know Fedor. What yeah, Fedor would just it's... go out there and just destroy someone, and then just come like, yeah, thanks, good match. Yeah, that is true. 100% I know we true. all want to see the hype. That's I know we the see thing. the guy jumping on the top of the cage, yes. and I know that sells tickets and blah blah yeah. blah. But there's nothing better yeah. than just a cold-blooded killer that just comes out. And and you know what's interesting is sometimes fighters do it. Um, I think I was watching Cowboy Cerrone the other day. He like knocked some guy out and just walked away like it was nothing. Yeah, yeah, I do this every single yeah, like, day. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, yeah. yeah. But but they don't show that clip. Or like Mark Hunt. Yeah, yeah. Mark Hunt just does his walk away knockout, yeah, yeah, just yeah. knocks the dude out and just walks away. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can I get my piece of chicken now? Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> the, but the, the reason that those are so cool, like Fedor, that's a great example, by the way, where he's just, no, he's not getting hyped up before no. the fight. He's no. not hyped up afterwards, no. you know, no emotions is cold that that gets that seems more appealing because it's in contrast to all the hype all the hype yeah. all this guy getting hyped up and whatever so if everyone was like that it would be less it was, still would be cool yeah but even then i'm probably just comparing it yeah. to like how i know it now and you can't knock you know? hype when conor mcgregor gets pumped you know what i mean yeah, yeah exactly right so <laughs> it you know it's it, there's a there's a dichotomy there, yeah there's you know? a dichotomy i think the preferred method though is cold-blooded yeah, but when you and this is really what it is, and this no goes for read. the NFL too. But <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, it's it's a show. Got to remember yeah, yeah, that yeah, it's no. a competition. It's entertainment. For sure. Yeah, it's That's a show. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So and that makes sense too for the NFL. Where go watch old Fe- just go sit around and watch old Fedor fights. So you know, Sakuraba was kind of like that. Sakuraba didn't celebrate. I love Sakuraba. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, Sakuraba was pretty cool blooded too. Yeah, totally cold blooded. Yeah, but just like you say, man, like Connor and like these guys who who do put on a show, that's kind of cool too. You see what I'm saying? So it's, yeah, it's a, a show. Yeah. All right, back to the book. In the end, I learned from various teachers in various schools, but when one method of instruction differed from another, I had difficulty determining how to resolve those differences. As I studied further, I came up with the principles I have described. In order to achieve your goals, you must put your energy to use most effectively. Again, I'm. I'll just say that. You don't have to choose, like, this one's right and this one's wrong. You need to absorb both those methodologies and have them both in your toolkit because you might need them. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Kind of like having the metric wrench sockets and the, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the other one. And then you got the other ones. You got to need that one. You got to yeah, need the, one, the other you, one. You come across a, a bolt. <laughs> 
that's metric. Yeah. Right. You better be ready for that. Uh, here's a, here's some stuff that's interesting. Calisthenics are generally based on physiology and anatomy, so they do not result in the development of unbalanced body, nor are they harmful to the internal organs. But they are not without, without drawbacks. Because each individual movement has no meaning, and because calisthenics have no secondary benefits, they are uninteresting. Calisthenics are widely used in Japan and abroad, but few students continue to do them after grad- graduating from school. This is because they are a meaningless form of exercise and not of any practical use. No matter how much they are taught in schools, if people do not continue to practice them, there is very little value in teaching them. (laughs) Cold-blooded. Speaking of cold-blooded. I dig it. So what should be done? We need to adopt the strong points of calisthenics and compensate for their shortcomings. Of course, there are various possibilities, but for now, I've come up with these two ideas. First, the first is calisthenics that incorporate training for the defense, of, for the defense against attack. So the first one's like you come up with calisthenics that represent movements that are from fighting, right? So yeah. like a classic is a sprawl. Sprawl, right? yeah. Sprawl, yeah. Go do some sprawls. You yeah. want to get in good shape? Yeah, go do some sprawls. Yeah. Incorporate that. In. One of the workouts I used to do with my kids when they were little is they'd have to do five sprawls and max pull-ups every minute on the minute for five minutes. Just five minutes. See how many pull-ups they could get. So yeah. you do five sprawls yeah. and you do as many pull-ups as you can to mm-hmm. see how many this is a brutal workout go try that one um, yeah you don't you don't even need to be a, a an eight-year-old kid <laughs> you can be a, a 46 year old man go hit that for five minutes yeah five sprawls max pull-ups go huh. but it is a good workout for kids yeah but legit but anyway sprawls that's an exercise where it de- reflects exactly the movement that you would do on the mat yeah. now here we go back to the book my other idea could be called dance style mm-hmm and I'm not going to get into what he talks about. It. He's basically saying like, hey, you come up with dance moves that are fun that work your body. And what I thought of immediately when I, when I, thought, when I read that, I was like thinking about all the, all the uh, I guess, is B-boys and break dancing the same thing? B-boys do break dancing. So it's like judo and judoka. So B-boys okay. is a break dancer. So like the 10th Planet guys. A bunch of the Tenth Planet guys came from the breakdancing background, yeah, and they have the physical attributes, the flexibility, the strength from that, and it t- turns out to be awesome for jujitsu. Yeah, so there's a good, and you can find that with gymnastics people too, like yeah. like gymnastics. Here's a skill, but I guess his point is, in his mind, that's now fun somehow. See, in my mind, like. It's not fun. What the break dancing? Like to me, doing a break dance move yeah. compared to doing a push up. Yeah, you'd rather do the push up. Well, I mean, there's there's not a huge difference, gotcha. right? Yeah, yeah. Break dance is pretty fun. I used to do that when I was young. Did you have yeah. parachute pants? Yeah. <laughs> did. Richie some. Martinez and Gio Martinez. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're no, the, the main guys. The, yeah. Well, they're they're the they're dance. badass jujitsu guys, and they're b boys. Yeah, and that that is what they attribute. Their to skills their too. skills developing so quickly, right, right, right. so quickly. And when you when you think about it, man, it's absolutely true because you think of breakdancing moves, like how you can spin on your back and do it like all this stuff. Like to spin on your back, you know, these guys who go inverted yeah. and do all this stuff where they have really good control of their yeah. like spatial awareness and their body. Yeah. yeah, you know. So these breakdancing guys, they come in with level 10 yeah. of that, you know. And... Well, wrestlers obviously come in at a high level. Gymna- anyone that's really good at gymnastics has that same kind of awareness and they have some crazy strength. Yeah, you know? that's true. So, yeah. 
Maybe that is a good thing for the for the judo players to come up with some kind of a like a dance. A dance. Well, what about capoeira? Capoeira. Because capoeira yeah. was was fighting disguised as dancing. Yes, sir. Yeah, you know what it was? It was the African slaves in Brazil. Yeah, yeah. And if you notice, I know this because they did a whole, not, it's not a thesis, what do you call it? Like a, Anyway, a thing in college. But they- You did a thing on college on capoeira? On capoeira, yeah. Oh, dang. And so, I don't want to go into a whole long thing, but- Good. <laughs> if you go early, capoeira was only legs. You know, uh, it, oh. you know why? Because they a lot of the time they'd be oh, tied up, dang. hands behind their back. So that yeah, so they came up with this fighting system, dis- disguised it as dancing, and to use against their captors. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. That is interesting. B boys, B boys, capoeira, capoeira guys. Jeff Higgs went from jujitsu to capoeira. Mm-hmm. Fabio Fabio Santos, our old teacher, was like Higgs. <laughs> You're the only person that's ever gone from jujitsu. He, he kept training jujitsu, but yeah, he yeah. incorporated capoeira. Yeah, even uh, Cobrina, which is smart, right? Cobrina does same thing. I think he no, no, no. I think he he oh, has well, that background. Most, most people would find capoeira and go, "Oh, that seems cool," but then you get choked out and you're like, oh, "I'm going to learn jujitsu." Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That goes through. Man, you ever seen a, like a capoeira like a um a performance yeah, or yeah, whatever? No. Man, there's this. It's gymnastics. It's well, man, whatever you want to call it's it. It's like this. Yeah, man, it's really impressive. It's no, almost like sure. he'll he'll. Do, and I'm referring to this guy that used to he'd put on a capoeira show uh, every Wednesday at this club I worked at in Hawaii, and so he'd do these like flips and somersaults and stuff like that, and it looks like oh he messed up that somersault, but that was part of the move. See what I'm saying? So he, he instead of sticking the landing, he doesn't stick the landing. He rolls into the next move, you know. So it's this big string of just real fluid movement. It's it's kind of captivating. I can see how that would benefit you. Okay, noted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep that in mind. <laughs> All right. Back to the book. There's no need to reject traditional form of exercise. Those who enjoy them should do them. My doctrine is very simple. Highly recommend what is best without rejecting things of the past. So I do not particularly oppose Japan's conventional methods of physical education, but I would like to devise the best form of physical education and recommend as many people as possible take it up, thus resulting in a form of physical education that at the same time achieves worthwhile goals. Th- that is cool, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the coolest things about jiu-jitsu is you are getting in shape and you are learning how to choke people out, which is a really mm-hmm. beneficial thing. And that the, for all the people that say, well, I want to start jiu-jitsu, but I need to get in shape first. No, you don't. Yeah. You just need to start jiu-jitsu and you'll get in shape along the way. Yeah. Back to the book. The prosperity of a nation can be hoped for only with an energized populace that vitality and that vitality depends on the mental and physical training of the people. The powerful nations of the world have explored every avenue in order to build their national strength and they are paying particular attention to physical education and endeavoring to promote vitality of their citizens through their own unique methods. Well, that sounds good. And it was true at one time, but in America right now, we're getting pretty weak on physical education. Need to step it up. Step it up. Step it up. You ever seen that video of the old school? They did some experimental gym class somewhere in California. Hmm. And like the crazy obstacle courses, like in the maybe the 40s or the 50s. And they had crazy obstacle courses. They had this, and like every kid looked like a complete beast. (laughs) And you're like, yeah, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't gym class at school be an hour long of hardcore physical putting out? Mm. Why would it not be that way, right? 
Yeah. You know why? Because people go, yeah, that, that's insulting to my child because he's not a great athlete. Well, your kid's not going to be a better athlete if they don't start training hard. Right. So, like, what so is get it? get in the game. Yeah, I agree. So what what is it though the kid the kid like okay we're gonna do push ups today right and you know Johnny did a hundred push ups meanwhile I can only do two so I feel bad that right. messes up my self esteem so I'm we, gonna don't, start we don't want to put you on the spot and you yeah. know what we're just gonna not do push ups yeah in fact you know what we're gonna do for PE weave baskets basket weaving yeah but even isn't the isn't the whole grading system I know we're going into a whole different thing but isn't the whole grading system in school like that anyway hey Johnny over there got an A. He's yeah, good well, at math. Look well, at they, you. Well, F. it is right now. Yeah. But, you know, there's the universities for sure that have like, well, there's no grades here. Yeah. Because we don't. This isn't about a grade. Yeah. Actually, the it's like, no, actually, the regular schools are becoming. You know what? You know, you know what makes my kids mad? My kids will be like, I got a I got a 96 on the math test. And I'm like, what was the class average? <laughs> Or who beat you? Did you lose to anyone? And they're like, well, it's just a, I, I. Yeah, like, yeah. no. If everyone got a 96, I don't care. You're, I don't, you're average. I don't know. Maybe you should care. Maybe you should. No. Maybe you should be impressed with the teacher. The teacher is so good I at teaching the that they, yeah, they sure. when they test these kids, these kids score almost perfect on the test on the material that they taught. Dang, that's one good teacher right there. Yeah. Well, I'd be impressed with the teacher, but I wouldn't be impressed with my kid if they just got the same as everyone else. They need to step it up. What if they, they all got hundreds? What if they all got hundreds? Okay, they got a hundred. Okay, like still not impressed. Well, it's it's a good job, but it, I'm not impressed. I'm impressed. Hundred perfect score on a test. My, Credit my what? My little daughter will come home, and she'll be like, "Dad, I got a ninety-four on the math test," and I'll be like, "Which one did you miss?" Yeah, yeah. And yeah. my wife will be like, "Tell her she did a good job." <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to her. Whatever. <laughs> that is a good job. Uh, all right. Okay. Cool. We'll leave it at that. You know what's funny is what? I know you're really not like that because I see, I no, see I, you talk no, to you. You know what's funny is I, I do say that to my kids. I'll yeah, like, with this joking but it's, it is, tone. It is fun. Yeah, like you're at, like at our pool, when we were at my house, the pool, everyone's jumping in the pool doing their dives. Yeah. And then you're like, it's like joking, Jocko. You can totally tell. You're like, good dive, but I want to see improvement in this area. And this, it's like over, it's good. I see what you're doing there. Yeah, we got to have fun with it. Sure. Back to the book. Intellectual, now he's talking about intellectual training. Intellectual training involves both the acquisition of knowledge and the cultivation of mental power. And whereas one cannot discuss these entirely as entirely separate things, it is nevertheless true that people with a great deal of knowledge do not necessarily have exceptional powers of reasoning or judgment. That's important. Just because you went to some course doesn't mean that you know. Doesn't mean you have good judgment. Mm-hmm. So you can have people that are well-read and yeah. well-educated, but they don't have any common sense. That's that's what that's how yeah, I yeah. translate this thing here. Yeah. The cultivation of these powers does not in itself entail becoming knowledgeable. So, in fact, these two things can be looked at separately. So there's a big difference between, you know, having information and having, I guess we'd say wisdom. What does he call it? Reasoning and judgment. Mm. I'd call reasoning and judgment combined together. I'd call that wisdom. Makes sense. And now he talks about moral education. Back to the book, in one respect, moral education must be carried out from the aspect of knowledge. That is to say, it is necessary to know intellectually what is good and what is evil. 
It is also necessary to develop the intelligence to distinguish right from wrong in various complex situations. Thus, it is necessary to teach the ability to determine good from bad, to discriminate what is right from what is wrong. This is something that I think we're getting away from. Like, hey, you know what? That's actually wrong. Like the whole idea you've, 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 you hear people, and I think, it's, I think they wrap this around a political conversation or a political viewpoint of there's some people that say, like, no, evil actually exists. Mm-hmm. And some people just say, well, no, people are different and people are raised differently and all that. I'm, I'm one of the people that, like, I believe evil exists. Yeah. And, and I think you can teach and you have to teach people how to tell the difference between right and wrong. Yeah. There's some things that are wrong. Yeah. There's some things in the world that are wrong. Yeah. And you shouldn't do them. Strangely, I was talking to Jade pretty in depth about that idea mm-hmm. and how it applies to a bunch of things where even saying, okay, things are right and things are wrong, that's that's like one way of, li- you know what, the, okay, so these people that, that say, well, people are different. There's no real absolute right or wrong. The thing is they're they have a point with that. But here's the thing. They're not talking about the same thing you're talking about. Okay. Like we have a societal standard. So and it got super complex. So obviously yeah. it's not the time. But think about this. Let's say a fat person. Mm-hmm. Right? They're fat. Everyone can see that they're fat. They know they're fat kind mm-hmm. of thing. Right. And some people would say it's wrong to indicate or to point out that that person's fat in front of people. Even though the fact is that they are. Okay. Right? Is it right or wrong to point that out? It's rude. It's rude. Exactly yeah. right. So and so is it right to be rude? Yeah, well, is it right or wrong? It's a total scenario dependent thing. Who's right. the person? Okay. What's Ex- the situation? Exactly right. So the point you, is, yeah, you, you, the point is there's a societal standard. Yeah. And usually it's established. Just like be, like beating your kids in certain societies is right. In certain societies is wrong. So- Sure, the more extreme the, the behavior, the easier it is to well, discern, okay, that's with wrong. With all that, I think there's a there's a line yeah. that I think yep. is and you it, can call. Yeah, and it goes all and the way down very hard to, to, to like almost like a, a human like understanding of of hu- like basic human needs. And Sam Harris he'll say he talks about um suffering, like suffering and well being. That's mm-hmm. the two things. If something promotes or or advocates suffering for like no reason why, you know, he goes into it, then that's how you can discern good and evil. Okay. So, but that at the end like of a... the day, it goes down to a standard, like a specific standard. Yeah. Yeah. But I, what I'm, I, I guess you're saying the same thing I'm saying, yeah. which is like, yeah. you need to teach people and, and explain what the value system yes. is to yeah. the young, to people. Back to the book. In another sense, moral education must be carried out from the aspect of the emotions. Even if you can distinguish right from wrong intellectually, if you are not trained emotionally to like what is good and dislike what is evil, your ability to do good and reject evil will be lacking. So if morals are not cultivated both intellectually and emotionally, good results cannot be achieved. This is big stuff. Yeah. This is heavy stuff. Back to the book. Furthermore, even if you do try to do good and reject evil, 
If your willpower is weak, the opposite result will often occur. Therefore, training of the will must also be an element of moral education. A weak willpower can result in the inability to do what you know is right or the inability to prevent doing what you know is wrong. Boom. This is very important stuff. A weak willpower will you'll allow bad things to happen. Yep. Choosing the short-term payoff over the long-term. Another payoff. good example. Yeah. Back to the book. It is also important not to look the over, not to overlook the element of habit. Even if you intend to do good, if you have not developed the habit of doing so, your best intentions will easily be corrupted. And even the best intentions of rejecting evil can fail if you have not developed the habit of doing so. For that reason, you must endeavor to cultivate good habits, love what is good, and reject what is evil on a daily basis. You know what this supports? This supports that whole, you know, when, when I talk about the fact that, like, if you make good decisions, like, if you wake up early, that goes, that's a habit. Yeah. And that helps you. That strengthens your ability to reject weakness. Whereas if you sleep in, you're lazy, you hit the snooze button, you're double fist and donuts into your mouth, guess what? You're going to be weak. Then I'll tell you something else. And, I, and, I, and I've been talking about this, or I've been thinking about this, I've been talking about it a little bit, I've been thinking about this. The way, the, the way that you live, every little thing that you do, like those actions that you take on a daily basis, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. And if you don't train correctly, if you don't live correctly, when the moment of truth comes, you won't be able to execute correctly. Yeah. The way you, it's like, the, it's a classic, the way you train, you, 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 the way you train is how you fight, right? Yeah. If you don't train hard, you're not going to fight hard. Yeah. If you push yourself mentally, when the time comes, you'll be able to push yourself, you'll be able to push yourself mentally. Mm. If you're weak in training, you'll be weak in war. That's the way it is. Yeah. That was very well put, sir. We, we are. I was talking to Jade last night, like I said, and that's what we were talking about too. That's what I brought up because he was really excited about learning all these new things about calculus and all mm-hmm. this stuff, right? Because he's into AI, artificial yep. machine learning and whatnot. So I was like, okay, you know, you're you're really excited about learning this stuff, which is good, by the way. And we're just, I, was, I wasn't necessarily talking about him, but, mm-hmm. I'm, but I just used him as the example. So he, I was like, okay, so what is, what is it? Like you're, so are you applying this to like your work now or your life or whatever, or are you just fired up about learning it? So it's like you can learn about everything in the whole wide universe, right? But if you don't put it into action or whatever, it's like your habits. Like what you do, that that's who you are. You yeah. have like yeah. it, let's say you're you're you I don't know, you have like Well, some, actually I think you're saying something different. I know what you're saying, and what you're saying is absolutely true too. I'm saying little I'm saying little the little things matter is what I'm saying. The way you live is the way you live is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I what you're saying different. is also important. Like, hey, you got this. What are you going to do with it? Yeah, yeah. That's what you're saying, and that also is important. Like, yeah. okay, well, you worked for this, but now what are you going to do with it? You yeah. got this gift. What are you going to do with this gift? Yeah. You got this talent. What are you going to do with this talent? Yeah. You got this education. What are you going to do with this education? Yeah. Those are also important. Yeah. And what I'm saying is if you don't th- develop the habit of putting things into place and being efficient and working hard, you can take those gifts, those talents and that education and you can piss it away. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If you're used to taking the easy road, you get that knowledge, you don't do anything with it. Yeah. 
So live your life with intent. That's what I'm saying. Every day, every little decision you make matters. It matters. It matters what you do. Yeah. Expanding this out a little bit, back to the book. If each member of a group helps others and acts selflessly, the group can be harmonious and act as one. Accordingly, the group can make the best use of its energy just like an individual. This principle remains true even in the case of a complex society with a population of millions. Yeah, help each other out. This is very. This is what. This is you know. This is like a SEAL team, right? This is like a SEAL platoon. Mm. You you help each other. You support each other. That's what makes you good. Mm. That's what makes you good. Here's another one. Let's say someone draws a sword on you. This is getting back into training a little. Let's say someone draws a sword on you. Any hesitations in your actions will result in you being injured or killed. You must react automatically, instinctively, just as when you blink impulsively when a fly approaches your eye. You must dodge your attacker in an instant. In order to do this, you must practice this as physical education and train on a regular basis to build up your body while also undergoing martial arts training. So I like this idea of a fly getting in your eye, right? The fly doesn't hit your eye, you blink. That's what happens, you have the instinct. And what's cool, I see this with extreme ownership, when people first hear about the concept, like it's foreign to them. Mm-hmm. And Utah, you've talked about this, how once you started thinking about it, you'd see like any excuse that someone makes, you're like, oh man, this guy's not taking ownership, that's just an excuse. And then you see it in yourself. Mm-hmm. And when that becomes your instinct, because you're living that way, well then it's very easy to spot, and it's also easier to maintain. Yeah. That's why the little things matter. Echo. Yes, sir. <laughs> Back to the book, judo began with the study of martial arts and then it gradually became clear that it could be applied to physical education, intellectual training, moral education, social engagement, management, and people's everyday lives. Some people believe that judo means simply practicing at the dojo. This is applying the principle of judo at the dojo when practicing defense against attack and though it certainly is one aspect of judo is only a small part of it. With judo in every endeavor, you must imagine the best goal and use your mental and physical energy in the most effective manner in order to accomplish that goal. For that reason, judo is not merely a martial art, but rather the basic principle of human behavior. It is wrong to assume judo ends in the dojo. So, he's saying apply this everywhere. I'm saying you should do that. You can do it with jujitsu. Now we're going back into this Sirioko Zenyu. Certain teachings have a long tradition, so most people accept them. But when people do not understand why they are taught a certain way, conflicts conflicts can sometimes arrive. Arise. To give example, virtually no one doubts that diligence is a good thing. Right? No one doubts that diligence is a good thing. If diligence is always a good thing, it follows that there can be no situation in which being diligent is bad. But if you are diligent in an irresponsible manner, you will spend a great deal of effort on something that is not very useful and expend the energy required to do something good wastefully. You must carefully choose something for which diligence is suited. Even when we do what we believe to be best, overdoing something can be harmful. When students stay up late reading a book because their teachers, parents, or society has deemed it best that they should read it, this is certainly diligence, but it is also detrimental to their health to read for so long. Conversely, you cannot do things half-heartedly or randomly. So, 
You got to stay balanced. Let us turn to the to an annoying yet pervasive habit people all too often display: complaining. What is the point of complaining? It is certainly no fun for those who have to listen to the complaints. The energy used to make an unpleasant complaints can certainly not be considered Sirioku Zenyo. Rather, all the energy used to complain or grumble should be expended more usefully. This means ridding oneself of unpleasant feelings and refraining from harboring ill will towards others. In this end, in the end, this will result in putting one's energy to the best use, not only for oneself, but also for the betterment of society. This principle should be applied every day at all times. Don't waste your energy on stuff that doesn't matter. Back to the book, if people are always aware of their current situation and set a standard for their future based on doing what will benefit themselves and society and continually regulate their behavior, they can be satisfied with their lives at all times. When you try to do this, you will find that your future prospects are always bright. That is because you're doing what is best. How how common sense is this, right? And it's so common sense, but how how many people do you know that follow this path? That's the question. Yeah, that goes back to how you say that idea of being detached. When you're detached, it's common sense. Yeah. But when you're in the game, point. it's not common sense because of how you, just like how that said, how you feel. Like, you know, like even complaining, for example, like you could ask, I don't say literally everyone, but you could ask everyone and be like, hey, complaining, is that useful? Is that good to do? Is that fine to yeah, do? No one Just complain? That, right. Right. Uh, yes or no? Everyone's, oh, no, 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 no. Why does everyone complain then? Because when you're in the game, complaining makes you kind yeah. of feel well, better or whatever. You, you picked up on it very well because it says if people are always aware of their current situation, yeah, 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 yeah. meaning they need to be detached <sighs> and then set a standard. For the future, based on doing things that just think it's the same thing. Think, is it smart to do things that will benefit themselves and society and continually, continually regulate your behavior so that you're satisfied with your life? And all that? of course, that makes <laughs> yeah, sense. Sure, why don't we do it? We get off the path, we get on the slippery slope, we start losing our awareness of our what is it, current state? Well, how yeah. do you put it? Uh, current situation, current situation, I don't understand it. Yeah. This is interesting. Through judo, we are teaching a principle that can work together with the highest principles of Buddhism and Christianity and the exhaustive studies of philosophers. One which, like other great philosophies and religions, can be put into action. This principle of judo offers a basic principle that can provide a sound answer for every situation and every question. The easiest way to master this basic principle is to practice the waza of judo and to embark on the dough, the way. That is because through practice that incorporates both a martial art and physical education, one can learn a method for making the most effective use of one's mental and physical energy. Then one naturally learns how to apply this method to every aspect of human affairs. I believe that this basic principle is the most appropriate method for resolving various moral issues. Man, he puts a lot of weight on the judo. <laughs> a lot of weight on the judo. Judo is life. Yeah. With regard to our daily activities and social interaction, the teaching of Siryuko Zenyo means bringing about maximum results through the use of every sort of energy. For this reason, human faults like anger, for example, violate this principle. 
Becoming angry consumes mental energy. How does anger benefit you or anyone else? The result of anger are invariably a depletion of mental energy and being looked down on or disliked by others. By following the principle of Siryoku Zenyo, people will not be able to get angry. Being disappointed or troubled by failures or setbacks or harboring grievances are also ways in which mental energy is consumed. Arguments, fights, all of these are violations of Siryoku Zenyo. Those who practice judo must take great care to follow this teaching. No matter what the situation, there is only one path that people must follow. In every case, the only course is to consider what is the right thing to do and proceed in that direction. <laughs> what is the right thing to do and do that? Yeah. What is the right thing to do and do that? That's what you should do. Regardless of how you feel. Yes. I have coined a phrase that I regularly say to people. There is only one path in life. Conducting yourself in accordance with this principle on a daily basis is vitally important. Though human beings may reach the pinnacle of success, there is only one path down which to proceed. That is to say, because complacency gives rise to the cause of failure, you must always consider things carefully until you find the appropriate course of action and proceed that way. Even when you fail, there is only one path down which to proceed. Even if once you fail and lose heart, if you regain your courage and find your way along the highest path, the highest path, circumstances will gradually improve. That's like Jordan Peterson talking, right? Hey, you know, like get on, do the right thing. Pick a little thing and start improving that thing. Clean your room. Because they find their own paths, those who practice judo and who follow the principle of Sirioku Zenyu always have a calm spirit, enjoy life, and are enterprising. The most advanced mental life can only be achieved when people thoroughly absorb this principle. Sirioku Zenyu. Maximum efficiency. What are you doing that is taking away your energy? What are you wasting your energy on? <clears throat> Back to the book. A, true, a person's true value is determined by how much he or she contributes to society during his or her life. And because these very contributions enable those who strive to protect themselves to achieve this, the purpose of judo is to perfect yourself so that you can contribute to society. This applies to ordinary people as well. Again, this is very, very similar to what Jordan Peterson talks about. You're like, you, you need to, if you, if you fix your world, well, you're impacting everyone's world around you. Mm-hmm. This applies to ordinary people as well, but in particular, those who specialize in judo must be expected to act in a way consistent with the purposes of judo. When you practice judo, you must try to perfect yourself and contribute to society through this practice, and you must emphasize the importance of this during your teachings to others. Something that seems good because it is near at hand may be useless in the future, whereas in some cases a bit of patience is highly effective in furthering your lot in the future. Right? Delayed gratification. The basis of happiness in life is found not in the pursuit of material gains or temporary pleasure. And true kindness towards one's friends means giving them serious advice when needed, selflessly, without fear of offending them. Now that one's interesting because I deal with this one a lot, right? I deal with this with a lot because you got your 
your subordinate that's not doing what they're supposed to do. And I, I just was having this conversation with a, a group I was working with, and they were real big on the word transparency. And Leif and I talked about it on the podcast. And and if here's the question: like, I'm going to be transparent with you. Like, like, hey, Echo, your videos, you you know, they're not good right now. Like, your videos aren't good. You need to tighten up your videos. Like, does that make does that improve our relationship? Mm-mm. Does that make you want to do a good job for me? Does that make you want to like get out there and really crush it? Mm-mm. No, not at all. So even though I'm being transparent, does it help our situation? Does it help what we're trying to do? No, it doesn't. Mm. So I need to figure out a way to tell you something. And normally, the best way to do that, and here's a big hint for everyone that's out there, if you want to give someone critique that they know that you know they need, one of the best ways to give them critique is to take ownership of it, take ownership of the problem. So I say, Echo, hey, I feel like I'm not really giving you good guidance on on the videos and the way they're coming out. Mm-hmm. I, I wanna sit down and talk to you and actually go through like what, what the impact that we're trying to have and that I wanna have. And I mean, I know you're working hard, but I feel like I'm not giving you good enough guidance. So I wanna sit down with you and, and try and see if I can be more clear, mm-hmm. right? Does that offend you? No. Well, I know what you're doing now, but well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but no, no, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, you're yeah. right. So you take if you take ownership of the problem, and then you talk about the problem with the person, it puts it doesn't it makes it makes them not have a defensive posture, yeah. which is what you, which is what you want. You want don't want them to have a defensive posture. Mm. I, I actually want to have them have an open mind and be able to listen to what I say. They won't listen if you're pointing the finger at them. Yeah. They won't listen as well. They might listen for a little while. Yeah. But it won't be a lasting thing. Maybe years later, maybe, or something like that. Yeah, it won't help the relationship. We know that for sure. You must remember that the purpose of expending a great deal of effort to build a strong body is to enable you to undertake jobs that you might otherwise be unable to endure. So what he's talking about there, he's talking about, he basically goes on this whole thing about like being big and buff. Sure. He's not pro. He's not down for that. He's not down for the cause like Echo Charles is. (laughs) (laughs) He would look at you and think you're wasting too much time on your on your bicep curls. Yeah, (laughs) might be right. Yeah, so that's what he's saying. Is that he's he's all about the functional strength. You want to be strong so that you can do jobs that you might not be able to endure if you didn't work hard. You didn't work out hard. Hey. That's a balancing act too. By the way, I know you're going to defend the the biceps. Uh, Maybe not the curls, but. It, but you know how like they say it's even like like kind of like it's a bad example but you know, he said you want to save your energy essentially for jobs that are like important right so no you can no do- he says the reason that you're trying to get strong isn't so you can look big and buff it's so that you, so can, you can do jobs you can endure jobs that you wouldn't be able to endure oh, okay otherwise. gotcha so that that should be the focus of your training Functional strength. Functional That's what he's talking. He's down with the functional strength. There's this guy on YouTube. Super funny. Bro science. I think I mm. told this to you, bro science life or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I've seen that guy, bro science. So funny. And he's talking about functional strength. He's, he said, so, you know, his, his jokes or whatever. And he's like, yeah, so good luck. You can compare your functional strength with my actual strength. So funny. Mm. But in his mind, actual strength is like, how much you can bench. And, yeah. you know, how it is funny. Yeah. But, yeah, that's so now every time I hear, like, when a guy starts, like, heavily advocating functional strength over, like, a, some, some lip, weightlifter guy or whatever, I think about that. 
that's even though interesting. I, I'm sure this book came out a lot, a lot, you know, earlier than pro science life, but <laughs> you know, check. All right, back to the book. Some who practice judo become overconfident of their health and inevitably fail to look after themselves. We must not be careless about where we live, our clothing, or our hygiene. We should pay great attention to what we eat and drink. There was a time when people did not deem it a problem to eat and drink to excess, but rather were proud of a prolific, a proud of being a prolific eater or a heavy drinker. That way of thinking still persists and is obviously detrimental to health. If you do not take care in regard to matters of health, there is no benefit in practicing judo. Those who practice judo must not only keep this in mind, but must also consider it their duty to remind others. That's bold right there. Their duty to remind that others. Was, I have it. a star next to that. <laughs> Little Hester. This guy is, Good. again, this guy is like super orderly. Yeah. And he's, you know, just going to tighten people up. You know, he's out there going, don't eat that donut. Yeah, well, but, that's one thing. But to, but, the, but to the nth degree. Yeah, that's like your duty. Come on, bro. Yeah. You know, it's my duty. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go to the mall and buy the food court. You know what's funny is this is the only thing in the whole book that he says, like, judo won't help like if you if you don't if you're not healthy judo's not you don't even train Dang. just stop training he has a thing he yeah, has a thing he's a that's little, what I he think. doesn't like that yeah yeah, yeah. He's, a thing. he's what's that called a pet like a hang-up yeah that's right. his hang-up yeah, or something. yeah yeah that's his hang-up right yeah there. because judo derives from the martial arts of the past it must perpetuate the spirit of other martial arts loyalty faith honor and various other virtues were emphasized in the martial arts of the past but I keenly feel their importance even today. The deterioration of society's morals today is primarily the result of a failure to emphasize these virtues. So I believe that those who practice judo in particular must apply themselves to these matters and restore today's neglected public morals. He's got another little hang up. Well, it's yeah. not even a hang-up. But, I, I mean, obviously, I'm pointing this out because we could clearly look at society today and be like, yeah, well, guess what? We, we're on a slippery slope. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell you feel strongly about that one, though, right there. Who, me or him? No, him. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what about me? Yeah, just, yeah, the look on your face indicated that for sure. Yeah. But, you know, that's a whole other thing. It's, it's weird because you go around different pockets of the world and different pockets of the country and you see various various positions on the slippery slope some people hanging on yeah but some people are not and they're just slipping and we got to be careful yeah and you get and obviously that's a whole nother topic but the you know and you have so many huge major major forces kind of working against it you know pushing us to down the slippery slope like marketing right you know how like marketing most marketing is to appeal to your most like immediate of wants you know like this delicious uh double whatever you know and it's the girl that's showing the delicious burger is like yeah and guess what doesn't even cost that much Dang, you know, so gratification for cheap. Yeah, man. So you can get it. With a little sex thrown on top of that. Yeah, just to make you feel good, you know, whatever, you know, and that's everything. So, you know, again, if you're not, what is it, conscious of your situation or whatever, you might. I was thinking about this today. Is like, is 
like I think people lose concentration this because most people in my opinion most people are like yeah, they, they kind of know you know we like we go back to the, the theory of right and wrong what's right I think most people are pretty good with it like most people feel pretty like they know what's ba- hey like no that's wrong right mm-hmm. and they know that hey you know what that's a good thing to do right mm-hmm. I think most people kind of like broadly kind of kind of would agree with those things yeah the problem is, and so that's why I think we don't emphasize as much because we think, you know what, hey man, most people pretty much agree with me. Like, it's like the center people of the country right now. Like, and the extreme right, no, the extreme left, no, okay, where are you at? And it's like, okay, well, those people that are in the middle, it's like, yeah, we, we kind of figure like, okay, pretty much. And so what happens is, once we don't talk about it as much, well then, the people that are on the fringes mentally, they end up without a compass, right? Mm-hmm. They just don't even know what's right and what's wrong anymore. Because people aren't talking about it as much because it doesn't seem like we need to. Mm. I think we might need to. Yeah. Yeah, and why it's right. Then it comes down to your approach and like all this stuff. Because, you know, when you have opposing views, it's like if you don't do it with the right approach, you just, it becomes more about the fight more yeah, so than, for like sure. the, you know, the kind. So, yeah, no, I think you're right about that. I th- are, And are you talking about people, most people know right and wrong? Because there's a difference between like just like how, how you were saying where, People know right and wrong, but they don't always do what's right, kind of thing. Totally. So, is that what you're talking about? Like when most well, people know no, right and I'm wrong. I'm saying, I'm saying, if you don't teach a kid, like, hey, when you see someone that needs help, you go help them. Yeah. Right. Like little old lady crossing the street. Right. Right. That seems obvious. Little old lady crossing the street. She's got a grocery bag. You you go okay. Hey, can I help you with that grocery bag? And you know, help yeah. you put it in your car. Maybe for you, you get a little pump while you're at it with that grocery yeah, yeah. bag. Hope she has a bunch. <laughs> yeah. So like that's that seems like a real common sense thing to do, mm-hmm. and that's like a, the most basic example I can think of off the top of my head. Like yeah. okay, so that that would be a good thing to train a, a kid to do. Yeah. Hey, if you see someone that needs some help, you give them some help. Yeah. Especially an elderly person that's having some trouble. That's what you do. Yeah. Seems real obvious. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, and and I think even I think most people. Most kids would be like, oh yeah, they'd see that and they would tend to go, okay, I'll help out. Mm-hmm. But because most people would tend to do that, we think we don't need to teach them. Gotcha. And that's where we're losing it. Yeah. Like, because the people on the fringes, they're not helping that person. There's someone on the fringe that's gonna like, oh, they dropped their bag and we'll steal it from them. Yeah. Right? So that's where we end up with a problem. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And that's why it, these things probably need to come up as part of a conversation, as, as like a national or universal conversations to be had of yeah. like, okay, what is right and wrong? Mm-hmm. Who's giving those guidances now? Yeah, where are they coming from? People aren't people. People aren't reading the Bible anymore to look for their guidance. They're not following Buddhism to f- get their guidance from. Right? They're just they're just kind of going around. Yeah. So where is that coming from? Yeah. Huh? That's true. They're going like going around. They're seeing like what? Okay, they're looking around me like, okay, what are yeah. we doing? How are yeah. we doing this? Is this right? Is this wrong now? And to if, do this? And what are they looking at to get to measure to to establish that from? You know what they're looking at? Instagram. Yeah. Oh, whatever's around them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Whatever's and, around, but Instagram's around them. YouTube's yeah. around them. Yeah, man. That's what's around them, and yeah. they're looking at it, going, oh, okay, well, this is, you know. That seems that's like what we're doing, that's huh? what we're doing. All right, cool. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to sucker punch this, you know, this this old dude. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, you know, and I feel a little uncomfortable about it, but you know what? It seems normal. Yeah, it people looked, are doing it. It's fun. Yeah, guys were laughing. It got a lot of views. Got a lot of views. Yeah, yeah. so maybe that's what's sure. cool. 
Yeah. That's what we need to watch out for. Yeah, and obviously I know that's an extreme case, but really that that that's true where especially okay in these extreme cases will happen by the way if you don't have any other presence of influence for like, sure you know how um like oh, I was, I was kind of saying this i thought it made sense where okay your kids or whatever they're gonna learn how to behave whether they learn it from you or your neighbor or tv or the guy at the club or the guy at the park whatever that part is up to you like if you don't want to be there they're going to learn it from somebody else kind of thing so that idea where okay what are we you know this is a society like okay what are we doing now how are we doing this what's right what's wrong is this wrong now whatever then we're going to get that just like i said like we're looking around we're we're trying to see what up you know and if there's no specific thing saying or court not court necessarily a course yeah even though a course would be cool um if there's nothing present there to demonstrate it, then they're going to be like, all right, well, what is here to demonstrate yeah. it? And what I'm saying is we've gotten away from things that in the past would have guided us yeah, at least we'll somewhat. Demonstrate it, yeah. And where you'd had this sort of sort of fundamental universal understanding of like thou shalt not kill, right? Sure. Well, okay. That that that's a biblical thing and well, you know, maybe when a kid is 15 years old and he's feeling angry about something and he's thinking you know what I play a video game all day where I shoot like people in this video game and that makes me feel better well maybe it may make me feel better to go out and do that in a school yeah right that's 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 what happens yeah so if we don't have if we don't lay out these things for people even though most people don't need them there's some people that need them. That's my point, is that we've gotten to a point where we think, you know what, pretty much everyone kind of gets it. <laughs> and if everyone kind of gets it, I don't need to emphasize it that much. Yeah. And so I'm not going to emphasize it. Yeah. Well, there's some people that need it. Yeah, and even if you don't quote-unquote need it, it's kind of like exercising, you know? Yeah. I'm in great shape. I don't got to exercise. Well, yeah, you kind of do, you know? Yeah. It's uh, interesting times. Yeah. This is interesting. Speaking of interesting... Instructive talks on morals presented in the classroom often become abstract or involve stories of people from the distant past, so they're not likely to inspire the listener. But moral lessons that can be acquired through Judo's randori are based on facts and are much more likely to make an impression. And it can be said that the habit of observation, the ability to make decisions quickly and the ability to remain calm and resolute that are cultivated through fighting are also valuable outcomes of the practice of judo. These abilities, however, will not be developed merely by doing kata and randori training without any thought. These abilities will naturally develop when one takes care and thought in practicing them on a daily basis. So this is this is something very interesting to think about. So I thought that was great. Like, hey, you learn about some, you know, you you read the Bible, ah, you know, it's like, oh, that doesn't really make sense to me. It's some guy that lived thousands of years ago, and well, I don't really get that. Mm-hmm. I don't really get why I should be humble because it says you should be humble. Well, get on the mat. <laughs> now you get humbled and you feel you yeah. get humbled, right? Yeah. So there's th- that's that's like the perfect example of how hey, what you learn on the mat is is truly understood, but. If you don't get exp- if no one if no if you don't think about the fact that hey that reflects life too by the way right. that reflects life by the way if no one makes that connection for you that's problematic and I mean clearly uh, jujitsu 
this is a big difference between jujitsu and judo. Like we talked about what the competitions are like. You talk about how you get disqualified. Jujitsu, you have people in jujitsu that have bad attitudes, yeah. right? And they don't they don't apply what they learn in jujitsu. One of the things that you know, you know, my attitude always is with jujitsu is like, if I get if I beat someone in jujitsu, if you if you understand jujitsu, if you beat someone in jujitsu, you realize that doesn't make you a better person than the person that you beat. What it means is you've trained more than them. That's yeah. what it means. Mm-hmm. Or it means you caught them that time. It means you got lucky with a move. It means they made a mistake and you had trained enough to be able to capitalize on it. It doesn't mean you're a better human being than they are. Yeah. And there, there are people in jiu-jitsu that think, oh, I am a better human being than that person is because I tapped them out. It's like, actually, no, not true at all. Yeah. So if you're not connecting these bigger, broader lessons and connecting jiu-jitsu to life, then what you have is just, just this isolated sport, yeah. Yeah. Which, deve- which, is a, which is a, it's not even a sport. It's an, it's an isolated might makes right attitude on the mat, which is not a good thing. Yeah. It's not a good thing at all. Jiu-jitsu should be making you humble because you should recognize like, oh yeah, well I've been training longer than this guy and that's why I can beat him. And one day if they keep training more than me, they'll be able to beat me. Yeah. So hopefully I'll keep training and, and we'll have a relationship and we'll be able to support each other. And that's the attitude. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things where you know, you've got, in my mind, you've got judo on one side, which is, you know, really strict and controlled and and less evolutionary because it doesn't evolve as much. And you have jiu-jitsu on the other hand, which is wildly evolutionary. It's incredibly creative. Like, there's, a, there's less creativity in judo. There's way more creativity in jiu-jitsu. And I think in the middle, especially on the attitude part, is where... Jiu-jitsu now is like you need to like you go to a jiu-jitsu competition like little kids that are they have they're bad sports Right, they're bad sports. Sometimes, yeah. They did not learn sportsmanship mm-hmm. And that's an important thing because what does sportsmanship mean sportsmanship doesn't just mean like you're a good sport on the mat No, it means that in life you can handle getting beaten and you're gonna get back up and yeah. you're gonna have a good attitude That's what sportsmanship is. That's why you're trying to teach that to your kids. Yeah, right and There's a million little things like that in jiu-jitsu that you learn like just the hard training. Well, you you know what? In jiu-jitsu, sometimes you work hard and you still get beat. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way life is. Yes, sir. That's is. the way life is. You yeah. work hard, you give it everything you got, you're still going to get beat. Well, guess what? You learn from that. You learn about life from that. Yeah. The creativity part, if you're stuck in a box on something, and, and he talked about that earlier, like, oh, yeah, when he's talking about there's only one path, again, I talk about him as being a very... Uh, I won't see not creative, but he's he's got an orderly brain, right? Because yeah. I never look at something that there's one path. Yeah. Like, uh, and by the way, if I fail in business, he's like, "Hey, there's only one path." No, if I fail in business, I'm actually going to look and see, like, well, okay, what other path could I take? Yeah. Now he's talking about the path, of like, like I'm not saying, "Oh no, the hell with discipline," and I'm just right. going to do whatever I yeah. want. So he's saying, stay on that path, and that makes sense. Right. But there is a certain lack of creativity there. Like, okay, well, if I make a mistake, I'm going to assess and I'm going to see what I can do differently. Yeah. And again, I'm not arguing that that's that he was saying no, don't ever try anything else. But that is an important piece that you learn from jujitsu. Like, oh, if I can't pass the guard, this person's guard, this particular way, I need to take a different approach. Yeah. You learn that from jujitsu, and you can apply it to life. So mm-hmm. all these lessons 
that if you don't pay attention to what you're learning in jujitsu and you don't reflect on it and put it back on your life, well then all you're learning is how to fight people and beat them up, well then jujitsu is not doing what it should, it's not doing what it could be doing yeah. for you. Yeah, okay. So you need to be careful of that. Yeah. I think his thing, his one path is, is it's this really broad in general kind of, dire- it's more of a direction than yeah, an actual Yeah, it is, it is, know? and I, that's a bad example for me to use. Um, but at the same time, I want to make sure people aren't like, well, you know, I'm going to stay on the path. I'm going to stay the course. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay the course. You know what? We failed that time, but it's okay. I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to keep going. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Assess. Yeah. See what you can do differently. All right. Um, effective use of mental and physical energy. Again, he's he's talking about this. Sikiru Zenyo. An integral, which is integral to the teachings of judo competition, can be applied to many aspects of life. Those who practice judo must measure their behavior by this principle on a daily basis and make corrections when appropriate. If you actually apply this standard to every aspect of your life, from food, clothing, and shelter to your work and relationships, you'll find that you often have to correct your own mistakes. Those who do this will make progress day by day and advance in life. Those who fail to do so will never progress and in many cases will regress. So... Keep an eye on those little things. With regard to memory, in the early stages of practices of judo, you must do what you have been taught. In order to do this, you must remember things as well. As practice progresses, you must you must remember not only what you have been taught, but also what you have observed. So there are many situations in which memory is vital. You will develop that ability naturally to come up with ways to remember things. He's talking about some of the, the benefits of learning judo. So one of them is you learn to remember things. Next we come to the area of imagination. This is not particularly necessary during the early stages of the practice of judo, but becomes quite necessary later. You may experience, experiment with various outcomes, carefully anticipating how your opponent will react. But if there is a limit to the ideas you can come up with, and if the range is narrow, no good ideas will come to you no matter how much time passes. On the other hand, if you come up with a variety of ideas, one after another, and if your thoughts extend to things quite different from your original idea, you can come up with a perfect solution among those ideas. So he talks about creativity. And this is interesting. Next comes language. This is very important to the practice of judo. The reason is it is... The reason is that in Randori, as well as in Kata, if you try and explain a particular method in words, unless you explain it exceptionally logically and clearly, your listener will not understand what you mean. There are some things that can be demonstrated in detail using Kata, while others do not lend themselves to this method. In some cases, you must explain things in writing or verbally. When teaching, whether you demonstrate things through Kata only or by giving a verbal explanation while demonstrating the Kata makes a big difference to the listener. This is a truism. When you ask something when you ask someone about something you do not understand or discuss something in depth, it is highly beneficial if you can talk about it clearly. Thus, it is so in the practice of judo. Take care, take care to discuss things logically and clearly. So even he talks about the importance of being able to express yourself and having good command of the language. Mm-hmm. It applies to judo. Is that reaching? Maybe a little bit. But we'll give it to him. I'm going to give it to him. The, yeah, no, yeah. The way I see it is like, you know, the, what is it, the laws of combat? Simple. Right? Yeah. That's, the, that's what Simple, I clear, heard. concise. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, you're right. Good call. I like it. 
Next, I would like to discuss the need for broad-mindedness. Broad-mindedness means open to new ideas as well as the ability to organize various kinds of ideas at the same time without mixing them up. The reason this is important to the practice of judo is that when there is no broad-mindedness, people often become overly confident in their own beliefs such that if there are new ideas that are superior, not only do they not accept these new ideas, but in doing so, they fail to determine their value and whether they are good or bad. This is something you see all the time with people with ego and a closed mind. They don't listen to anybody else. They don't come up with any new ideas. It's horrible. So keep an open mind. My way or the highway? Yeah. Is it, or yeah, is that a different thing? You don't want none of that my no, way or the highway. Yeah. Though. Speaking of simple, the theory of judo fighting includes some quite complicated ideas. When we consider the relationship between the body and the four limbs, their positions, how to use them, how to handle the mental aspects, one theory gets mixed up with many others, so it becomes difficult to reach an overall conclusion. Even if we link these complicated theories to look at them separately, the ability to unify them in the end must be the second requirement for broad-mindedness. So you've got to be able to connect things. You've got to be able to simplify things. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. There is a teaching in judo competition that says one must look at the relationship between oneself and others and one's surroundings. So you have to orient. This is this is OODA loop. Yeah, this, this is, is OODA loop. So you have to you have to orient yourself to what's happening. You have to look mm-hmm. around and see what's going on. Another one in judo fighting. There is a teaching, saki otore which means anticipate. Simply put, this means using your waza on your opponent before he can use his waza on you. Boom, be aggressive, default aggressive. Don't wait for the enemy to do something. Mm -hmm. You do it first. There is another teaching in judo fighting. Jukiro Danko. And this translates to decisive action after careful consideration. Jukiro means carefully considering the situation before attempting to use a waza. Danko means acting without delay once you have made a decision. When this teaching is applied to the path people take in life, it can indeed be relevant in many situations. This is a good one. What You, you consider what you're going to do, but then once you make a decision, you go. Yeah, you go full speed. You go full speed. You always reassess. You always keep your mind open. Even when I'm, like, I made a decision, like, hey, oh, you know what? We've debated this enough. Let's go. Even when I say that and I mean it, yeah. I'm still just making sure. I always make sure. I'm always yeah. reassessing. Yeah, and I, uh, don't it, run to my death. It seems like he's more talking about like, don't, 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 don't make a decision. Go and then hesitate yeah. the whole time. Well, that's definitely you know? true. And also, don't sit there and wait to make a decision. Yeah. You know, make a decision. But this is what's interesting. Here's a, here's a contra- back to the book. A further teaching, which seems to be somewhat contra- contradictory to Donko, is known as. To, tomaru Tokoro Oshire. And that translates know when to stop. <laughs> this means that when you venture to use a waza up to a certain point, but when you reach that point, you must stop. Again, this rule has universal applica- applicability to many aspects of life as well. So there you go. You got those two opposing forces. One is like, go. And the other one's like, no one to stop. <laughs> yeah. So those are, let's just say, very important. 
One of the most important concepts in judo fighting says, if you win, do not boast of your victory. If you lose, do not be discouraged. When it is safe, do not be careless. When it is dangerous, do not fear. Simply continue down the path ahead. Right? Those are... Normal face. Yeah. Normal face. Yes. Affirmative. When encountering social pressures such as those such as those we experience today, even an incredibly strong-willed person can lose spirit and experience great adversity. This is when we must this is when he must show true character. At times like these, the ability to overcome difficulties, endure and be patient, preserve one's honor, and maintain a spirit of integrity are truly valuable above all else. In order to do this, first you must develop good daily habits. These good habits include simplicity and moderation, and while thinking of yourself, always keep other people and society as a whole in mind as well. You must not trouble others for your own convenience, and if you can, you must try to benefit others while benefiting yourself. In other words, you must perfect yourself and contribute to society, which is the ultimate purpose of the study of judo. And judo's a lot bigger than you thought it was, is isn't it, it? It is, yes, sir. He's trying to take it to the distance. <laughs> take it. Well, it is those, the way. Those who want to do something to benefit society must first make sure they can easily take care of their own business. Yeah. Yep. Clean your room. Yep. As Jordan says. Take care of your own business. Yep. Then you can worry about the rest of society. Like the oxygen mask, right? You gotta, you gotta yeah. put it on yourself first, then yeah. you put it on you your, can kid. Handle your kid. Because if you're suffocating, how are you gonna help your kid? You're not. You can't. Here we get a little controversy. Professional wrestlers and boxers are generally people of low character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can sign on. But. Oh, definitely don't sign on with that. And no matter how superior their skills, they are mostly looked down on by society. Dang, I guess I we'd know. have to do some research as to what the boxers and wrestlers were like back in his time in, in, in Japan. Some Kodokan members have gained popularity, popularity performing on tour with them, but I don't believe this behavior is, to, is in accord with the aim of judo. True judo practitioners must not be performers. Hmm. So that's there interesting, you go. right? Yeah, that explains a lot, yeah. for sure. He wouldn't like McGregor. No, no, no. No, he no. don't like McGregor. Look down upon, for sure. McGregor don't care. No, no. <laughs> All right. And this is this is again. I, I had to call these things out because obviously I don't agree with uh, bo- wrestlers and boxers being people of low character. In fact, I believe the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. But here's a good one: in the future, when asked to compete against wrestlers or boxers, the competitors must decide whether the judo practitioners will compete under the rules of boxing or res- wrestling, or whether the opponent will compete under the rules of judo. However, those contests must never be commercialized. (laughs) They must be merely trials between volunteers for the purpose of research. If for some reason showmen should get involved, people get charged admission, and it becomes a spectator sport, you must recognize that this is in complete violation of the spirit of Kodokan Judo. Hmm. So what about Olympic judo then? That's that's yeah. a violation. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things you'd call, but actually, you know, G- judo Jean LaBelle. Yeah. He fought he fought against boxer Milo Savage, 1963. In, I think it was Denver. I forget where it was. Mm. But yeah, that was like, that's kind of, 
noted as sort of the beginning of like whatever popular MMA, right? Mm. Boxer versus judoka. Yeah. And judo Jean LaBelle is a American um, icon. He's an icon of grappling. Mm. If you don't know who judo Jean LaBelle is, look him up. He's awesome. And he actually, so he did this back in the day, mm. back in 1963. What do you think the outcome was? Boxer versus judo. Yeah, in a fight, fight. No, they fought. They yeah. fought. They fought like okay. in an MMA fight. I mean, yeah. it was it was an it was you fight each other. Go. Yeah, that's Jean Labelle then. Yeah, that's Jean Labelle all day, right? Yeah, take down, re- rear naked choke. That's what he got. Yeah, that's what he got. <laughs> that's how it went. So, yeah, that's you know, it's just interesting how completely commercialized. Yeah, this is and it's also interesting that again closed-mindedness or I don't know if you call it closed-mindedness But he he has a very orderly brain. Yeah, and he was like look it's either gonna be Those rules or these rules he didn't mm. think to himself like hey, you know what? What if you just mix it up and yeah. do it all together? Yeah, all rules. Yeah, all rules. Why wouldn't we do that? Which is interesting because in judo they do cover striking and you don't hear about it much But they have those mm. are part of it hmm. So it's interesting that in his mind, he's like, no, it's either those rules yeah. or these rules. Yeah. Very rigid. Yeah. Very rigid thinker. Yeah. That's a good point. Back to the book. In everyday Randori practice, fighting against another person is not the real purpose of the practice of judo. Because fighting to see who will win is interesting. It is done on a daily basis. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it goes without saying that becoming able to beat someone is one of the ultimate goals of the practice of Randori. However, there's clearly a difference between becoming able to beat someone at a future time and becoming obsessed at beating someone now. In order to beat someone now, it is best for those who are strong to use that strength to overcome the other person's strength. However, with that method, if you encounter an opponent who is much stronger than you are, you will naturally lose. So even if you lose for a while, the correct practice of Randori is to slip dexterously away from your opponent, adapt to his strength, cause him to lose his balance while stepping back, and then take advantage of the opportunity to perform a waza. If you do this kind of training, you will for a while, often be twisted by the arm and held down or pushed down by your opponent. But if you do not frequently engage in this kind of training, you will never learn how to beat a stronger opponent. So this is what we talk about all the time when we talk about relaxing and trying to relax and putting yourself in bad positions and not using your strength. That's what we're talking about. And again, that applies to life as well. That applies to not staying in your comfort zone, yeah. not <clears throat> continuing to concentrate on what you're good at. Mm. Focus on your weaknesses. That's what that talks about. That's interesting. His how he said, "Don't don't be focused on beating the other guy." You know, it's almost like Hoyler talked about that real briefly, right when I first met him, uh-huh. where he was like, I, "Like it's not." Like, you're not looking how big the guy is, how tough he is, what belt he has, and all this stuff. It's like you're focusing on, on your jujitsu, what's lacking, what I know and don't know. You know, if I'm focusing on the other guy and yeah. I'm going to beat him and all this stuff, that's not what what the jujitsu is. Yeah, and I, I'll go ahead and say this. Like, this is, this sounds good. <laughs> it's But we all, I mean, at least every single person I train with, like we're trying to we're trying to win, trying to win. Yeah, now for sure. that being said now uh, actually I'm gonna go ahead and correct myself like we train 
we want to win, but like you take way more risks training with our with our training team than you would take if you were training with someone else. Yeah. Right. You take you know you take risks. You try new things. You put yourself in bad positions. Oh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this arm lock. I'm going to try this choke. Even though I'm, I might end up on the bottom, but that's okay. And well, you know what I mean. So yeah. I guess that's true. I don't focus completely on just trying to beat the other person. Yeah. yeah so that's that's uh, yeah. actually very accurate. And I think as you are as you start this game, that's the best attitude to have. Is like, hey, you got to relax. And I was talking to a buddy of mine that's just starting jujitsu out. And he's like my age, mm. and yeah, he's like, man, I'm trying to relax harder. <laughs> he's like, I'm trying to relax yeah. harder. And actually, what I t- I I sent him a text, and I was like, it's like rock climbing. Have you ever done any rock climbing before? Yes. So there's technique in rock mm. climbing, like there's legit technique. Obviously, well, it's not obvious. If you if yeah. you've never rock climbed before, there's a massive amount of technique in rock climbing. It's the way you position your fingers, the way you position your hands, the way you use your legs. You you don't hang the weight on your muscles. You hang it on your your bones and your ligaments, mm-hmm. so you're not getting tired. Your muscles aren't getting tired out because you're using the technique. Mm-hmm. If you don't know rock climbing, guess what you do? You hang onto the freaking rock with all your muscle and as long as you can. And that's yeah. exactly what happens in jujitsu. Yeah. When your technique is good, you're just gonna hang on. Yeah. Yep. Hang on. That he, the whole thing about jujitsu and winning, and and he and he used the word obsessed. Like if you oh, if you jam yeah, up, that's a, get that's a little up. bit of a different scenario. Isn't yeah, it? and Chases really when you really bit. look at it, I mean, at, in the moment, yeah, you want to beat the guy. Like that's that's when you train with someone in jujitsu, or especially when you compete in jujitsu, that's actually where the mm. shift kind of occurs. He mentioned competition as not a spectator sport. This is just for experimental purposes. Yeah. Did he yeah, use research, the word experiment? research, research, yeah. research purposes. purposes, which is essentially just training, yeah. really. Yeah. So yeah, it's like yeah, for sure. it's kind of like um, kind of how when they started the first UFC, that that was what they were kind of pushing to. They're like, we we're gonna see how what style martial arts, style. yeah, exactly right. And but really, you know, the the thing that people came to see was that for sure. But it was a show, like who's gonna win and all this oh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And when you really look at it, so UFC one, two, all these things, it was I don't want to say rare, but it was almost rare when. Aside from Hoist Gracie, of course, and you know Ken Shamrock and stuff like this, it was really rare to see the style get maintained. It was like these karate guys, oh, and they yeah, had their stance, yeah, yeah. and the fight would start, and, and it's just this street fight. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So, and that was part of the research kind of kind of thing. But you know, people were there to see who's going to kick whose ass. But <laughs> it, in jujitsu, when you really when you really think about it, you, we are kind of maintaining that. Like we want to see, yeah, like we we are researching all the time. Yeah, how and is you, this going to work? And, and here you can you can fall back and forth. Like sometimes you can get sucked yeah. into being obsessed with beating that guy, and maybe if you kind of use it, you know, it's like using anger to help you. I don't know, get more strength or something, just for a moment or whatever. Mm-hmm. I I kind of think that's okay, and I think we all kind of do it in one way or another. Not the anger thing necessarily, but the I'm gonna. Like me and you, for example, mm-hmm. I might incorporate a little bit of today. So I'm going to get Jocko today. That's mm-hmm. what I'm kind of focused on day. for a second. Yeah, yeah, for a second to help me get better. Maybe even get me past a mental barrier or something like that. You know, you can do it. But the big picture is just what he's talking about. I yeah. just want to get better at my jujitsu yeah. kind of thing. And I will say this too. I ego wise, I think it's very positive to be like, yeah, I don't want to lose. And and the only way you're not going to lose is to train all the time. Yeah. So the days that you the days that you're like, well, 
You know, I don't like yesterday. I, I was on a different time zone. Came back. It was. I got back in the day. I had a work to do. As soon as I hit the ground, I got done with that. I hit a quick workout, and now it's like, oh, it's guess what time it is? Jujitsu time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, it's like, oh well, you know, maybe it's been a long day. Yeah. Like my shoulder kind of hurts right now, yeah. so maybe I'll just you know rest. And then I was like, no. I'm going to train because because what I know is not training it's it's this is it's not training one day might not make a difference but that one day does make a difference you might not you might tell yourself it doesn't make a difference but there's that there's something in there there's every day of training you can get matters every day counts you can't get it back and if you miss it you miss it especially like right now where, I, where I'm, I've been traveling a lot lately w- way more than normal so I know like if I, I got to get there yeah. I gotta get my rounds in. Mm-hmm. Gotta get my rounds in. That's the way it's gotta be. And part of that is my ego. Mm. Part of that is my ego saying, look, I gotta, you know, I gotta fight. I gotta I gotta be stay on top. I gotta stay on top of the mountain as, young, as high as I can, young, right? hungry lions The, the young bucks are out there. You. They're coming after me. Yes. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But that keeps me in check. My ego, the positive part of ego is that I do, I do wanna win. Mm-hmm. And I don't wanna get beat. Now, that being said, guess who I train with? I train with all the guys that are most likely to beat me. That's what yeah. I want. I want to have that happen. So there's a balance. There's a good balance yeah. there. And at the end of the day, there's really no escape. It, and I think it's real prevalent, like for you and Dean. and the, It's really prevalent where, sure, you have all that. You have all those thoughts, you know, in your head or whatever. But it all comes in. The whole reason you have that thought is to get better at, at jujitsu. For sure. For sure. It's, yeah. Because when you start jujitsu, you're like, some people say, even me, like, well, you know, I'll just, I just want to get good enough to, like, you know, be able to defend myself. Well, after six months, man, you're good. Yeah. So what am I doing here 25 years later <laughs> still doing the same damn thing? Because, yeah. like, there's a couple guys that I, I you know, I want to keep ahead of or even with or catch, you know, like, that's what's driving. So there's there's a definite ego thing involved. Uh, but I think the uh, where that goes too far the ego goes too far. This is obvious answer is like, oh, I, I don't really, you know, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna train with that guy because he might catch me, mm-hmm. right? Then now you're not, now you're not progressing. Yeah. Now you're in this thing that he's talking about. Like you're not gonna progress because you're not gonna train with that person, or you're not gonna take any risks whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So you're just gonna defend, defend, and you're like, oh, I survived the round and I'm out of here. Yeah. So you gotta, you, you gotta keep that attitude of like, hey, I'm gonna get beat. Yeah. And you know that's the thing. Jiu-jitsu works, man. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu works, and if somebody catches you, yeah, doesn't matter who they are, right. They catch you. Jiu-jitsu works. You tap out. You go again. That's the beautiful thing about jiu-jitsu. Yes. That's the beautiful thing about life. Because in life, you're not going to win every time. Yeah. You're going to get caught. You're going to make mistakes. Someone's going to capitalize on them. So what are you going to do? You're going to give up. And even more important than that, you can lose. You can lose. Is whatever thing you're trying to do, you can lose. You're mm-hmm. trying to start a new business, you can lose. You're trying to get a new job, you can lose. You can lose in life. So mm-hmm. are you going to prevent that from even getting? Let that prevent you from even getting on the mat in the first place mm-hmm. on even trying to start a new business even trying to trying to do something that's outside your comfort zone That's what this that's what this is saying is get outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, don't sit there It's not gonna help you. Yeah And you can see it with with the guys who you can tell are just focused on like being the guy who beat the other guy kind of thing yeah. And they'll do those kinds of things. They'll roll and then when they, after, you know, two, three rounds, when they they feel their steam kind of going yeah. down, they'll leave or they'll sit oh, on the side yeah. and talk and be like, I'm not rolling anymore. Yeah. Or they'll only roll small guys. I did that to Andy yesterday. 
what we did like six rounds mm. and i was like bro i need some backup because you know he's training for events you know yeah. i'm like I- i'm i'm gonna give I-, I was like hey i called dr luke i'm like dr luke give me some help over here i need some backup yeah 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 you know because yeah. gotta gotta get him to step it up yeah. but what's interesting or what's the reality is when i have the time or when i'm not when i have the time but like I always get my rounds in too. Like we're doing, if we got two guys that are competing and we're doing, you know, two and one out, like I put them through it and then I go through it too because yeah. I want to get my training because I'm yeah. trying to get better too, right. to your point. Yeah, you're like, not in there trying to be dandy kind yeah, of thing, no, but no. you guys are tra- trying. See, to get, I'm the, trying to get better. Yeah, and that's exactly what I mean. And it's obvious, you know, uh, but you know you know what's a big uh, symptom of someone who's who's focusing on the wrong thing is like if they don't do well or whatever. And they say stuff like, oh, you're lucky this isn't MMA or something like that. Oh, yeah. They're like, they're unhappy about the fact that they got For beat sure. by you specifically. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like I used to train with this guy, will remain nameless, a uh, long time ago. And that's what he'd always say. Like, oh, yeah, if there were strikes, I would have won kind of thing. Yeah. He'd say that kind of stuff all the time. I was like, bro, focusing on the wrong thing right now. The fact that you, quote unquote, got beat or I beat you. And yeah. this is how you would have beat me. You know, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Why do you think I do? Because I do this. I do the opposite. When I roll with someone, and I'll be like, hey, you know, like I'll catch him or whatever. And I'll be like, yeah, you know, hey, if this was MMA, like let's say I'm going to the MMA fighter to catch him. I'll be like, hey, you know, if yeah. this was MMA, you know, you were on top for a while, you'd been, you would have been pounding me in the face. That would have been good. You would have won. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm going against a jiu-jitsu guy and I catch him or something, I'll be like, yeah, you know, though, if that was points, though, you were up like eight points. You probably would have beat me. And that was a, that took me 15 minutes to get, so you would have won. Yeah. And it se- I obviously, I don't know exactly what's going on in your head, but it seems like that would be something you'd say to someone to make them kind of feel better. Because, you know, there are, it's a little mini competition in there, for real. I mean, that's essentially what makes it so good because he's giving you an accurate look, how a motivated opponent, attacker, whatever, (laughs) would look like. He's going full speed against you. So there is that element of, like, we're competing against each other. And when you lose, it's kind of like, oh, I lost to this guy. Especially if you're not that used to training Uh, or... or So I'm just being nice. You're being nice, I think. Yeah. And at the same time, if you're saying stuff like, hey, if this was MMA, you'd be pounding me or something like that. that, There could be a little element of your own training, kind of like you're just voicing your own thoughts. Like, okay, I I kept that in mind where, you know, I would have got hit there. And you're just kind of voicing it maybe for the benefit of yourself. Um, as well as the guy, I don't know. That that's what it seems like um, would happen if someone was thinking those things. Check. Well, you know, that's we could go on this book for a long time. I think that's a good place to um, reflect and say, look, there's a lot of principles that you can apply judo and jujitsu. There's things that jujitsu should you should take from jujitsu, and things that you should take from judo principles. And if you mix those two together, you get something that's really powerful, not just on the mat, but something that's really powerful to apply to your life. Again, is everything in this theories perfect? No. Somebody asked me that the other day. I was with a, with a group of uh, young leaders. And someone, because I was talking about how it's beneficial to read about history and understand warfare and understand it gives you an insight into human nature and it gives you an insight into people, the way people think and all this stuff. And this guy says, hey, do you ever think that Maybe what you read was wrong, and if you apply what was you read, you'll actually end up making a mistake, or do you just follow what you know history? And I'm like, no, that's the whole reason. I go because the more you read, the more you understand, the more different angles you see. And I'm questioning every decision I make. I'm questioning all these things all the time, and I'm using all these this different information that I have in my head as sounding boards to check 
off of like what it will at least let me shed some light on it, gather some intelligence. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what I'm trying to do. So yeah, question yourself and question these theories. Yeah. That's what I think. That's one of the best things about. It's one of the best things about MMA and jujitsu and fighting right now is that it's evolving so fast, yeah. and 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 it's open for it. And if you're not down for that right now, you're going to be left in the dust. Yeah. You're going to be left in the dust. Does this mean that every fancy new move that comes out should be applied to your game? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Does it mean that every fancy gi jiu-jitsu move that you saw in Worlds would be super effective in a fist fight? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But should you have an open mind to understand that some of those things could be absolutely beneficial? Uh, yes, you definitely should. Yeah. So keep an open mind with everything that you're doing. You know, that idea of broad-mindedness. Sometimes I wish Kano would have had a little bit more broad-mindedness. Yeah. Because that, you know, it would have been beneficial. You know, that's one of the sad things about judo is they they outlawed the double-leg takedown in judo. You can't do it. You can do it after you've done another takedown attempt. So it can be like a follow-on. Gotcha. But that's not cool. (laughs) No. That's not cool. And it's the same thing with with jiu-jitsu, right? Where they outlaw certain submissions. Mm -hmm. Like uh, the, the heel hook. With gi jitsu, yeah, right. Like the heel hook is still there, the heel hook itself is still there in the in the yeah. the motion of yeah, the like deal, it's yeah. there. You shouldn't outlaw it. It should be part of it because yeah. then you have people ending up in positions where they're not effective fighting positions. Yep. They're not because mm-hmm. you can get heel hooked and you get your knee torn apart. Yeah. So why would you outlaw something that's very effective? It's it's. I understand there is some danger in the heel hook. For those of you that don't know, the danger of the heel hook is that it doesn't create pain before it creates industry in injury. Well, it doesn't create a lot of pain before it yeah. creates industry in injury. So you can feel, you can have a heel hook on you, and you can be like, "Oh, I can get out of this." Yeah. And the person starts applying pressure, and you're like, "Oh, that doesn't really hurt." And then pop, you're you're you have yeah. to go get surgery now. Yeah, that's the problem with heel hooks. But if you and your training partners understand that, and if competitors understood, like, hey, if I get caught here, mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna end up in surgery if I don't tap. Yeah. So that's, the, if you understand that, then you won't go in these positions that where you're exposed to a heel hook. So that's what you should do, not only with jujitsu, but you should do it with life too. Like, understand what really works. Don't outlaw things. Don't avoid things just because you're not good at them. Yeah. Open yourself up to them. Do you know why they don't, <clears throat> they really don't allow heel hooks in gi competition. Do you are know why? Are you asking me yeah, that question? Yeah, do you know the reason the li- for that? The, that they say or whatever? I think it's because the the possibility of injury. Yeah, but the no gi, they let it. Why? Because you can slide more in no I gi don't or know. something? I think that's. I think that might be just tradition. But that's hopefully, you know, they should allow double leg takedowns in judo. They should allow heel hooks in jiu-jitsu, mm-hmm. in, in gi jiu-jitsu. Now, this doesn't mean if you roll with me, <clears throat> And we're rolling gi. You just slap a heel hook on me because mm. I, I won't be expecting that, and I'll be pissed. Or that should be part of your training. Yeah. And so congratulations. Well, it is. But yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. I yeah. need to tighten it up. Yeah, I was. That is one of those things. Here's what it is with the heel with gi. Like if someone busts it, because it's so widely known as as uh, uh, disrespectful. Yeah. yeah. It's like so if, if you get a guy, especially let's say extreme scenario, a new guy comes in. He's a purple belt. Hungry blue belt. Mm-hmm. He comes in. He rolls with you know one of the instructors, black belt or whatever. Gi, you know they're rolling, and he's going super hard, and he goes for a heel hook. Pause right there. Technically, 
the what, what as far as what we're talking about, that should be okay. Mm-hmm. We're all here training. We're all getting better. He's going hard. Thank, thanks for the good training yeah. kind of thing. He did, a, but we're tra- essentially trained to yeah. see heel hooks with the gi as as, as disrespectful. Yeah. It's against the rules. Yeah, it's against it's the rules. It's so yeah. embedded in it's a, it's embedded in the culture, really. But really, but as far as what we're talking about, like it's it's really okay, you know. He's, yeah, he's busting I, out a I'll, heel hook. I'll say no. That's not okay. Yeah. And the reason I'm Why? saying that, I, I, know I this don't is even like know contra- if it's this okay is like now. contradictory for me because, but this is the similar thing, right? If you if you came into the gym and like you went for a heel hook on me, we were training gi, and I started punching you in the face, <laughs> right? That like like you weren't expecting that, but you should be prepared for it. So there if, is if there I is if you understand that that's what you're training, like oh, are we street rules? Punches illegal, allowed or whatever? I'm saying there's there's certain things that are. Uh, universally, pr- as far as I, I have not been anywhere, and I talk to a lot of jiu people, and I roll a lot of different jiu places where it's like you're wearing a gi, you're it's yeah. you're you're cleared hot to do heel hooks. Yeah, I, I have not seen that anywhere. Me neither. And, and it should be that way. Well, I mean, cr- technically, the thing is, I'm with you, and there, you know, there's exceptions, of course, and just because I happened to uh, Craig ba- Craig Baker uh, mm-hmm. will allow him even say, yeah, yeah, you can heel hook. It doesn't come up because just like yeah. what we're saying, it's so widely known and understood from the beginning. Yeah. You don't do heel hooks with the gi. It's just, but why is that? We don't really think about why is that and does well, it? Why? We don't because those are the recognized, sanctioned rules. Right. Just like the recognized, sanctioned rules say that if we're grappling, I'm not going to start punching you in the face. No, but right? no, because that's punching in the face and not grappling. Like if he, it punching in the face does deviate from when you when you start learning jujitsu, unless it's understood that that's yeah. the kind of training you're going to get. So here's the thing. Okay, when I put on the gi, these these moves are not allowed. Right? There's no. Yeah. I don't know. There's no rules. I mean, sure, IBJJF, but yeah. you know, most, there's a probably bigger percentage of people that do jujitsu have never competed in an IBJJF tournament. Yeah. Probably the majority of the people. Yet we're following IBJJF rules in training sometimes, even though actually the gi competitions. I've never heard of a gi competition that allows heel hooks. Yeah, even at black exactly. belt. But who? The, that's not the point. The point isn't that. They're not allowed, so don't do them. That's not the point. The point is, why are they not allowed, given what we're just talking about? They're, they're, in, in my opinion, they're not allowed because of the p- propensity or possibility of an injury. Or I, I, People think that there's a uh, high possibility you could get injured there. Yeah. They're somewhat accurate because it is a different kind of pain. It was a lack of pain. And so there's a little bit of accuracy. Yeah, I, I, I dig it. And I see if, you know, especially if that is true as far as why they want it. Because some people might say they don't want it because jujitsu was was always looked at as this linear thing. Like Don, Don Her mentioned, kind of mentioned part of this where, you know, you get past the legs and you work your way up his body to mm-hmm. tap him out. And you can start tapping him out when you get up to the upper body. And the legs were just something you had to get past because they're going to try to kick you and, yeah. and, you know, they have leverage on their own body and all this stuff. And that's it. That's traditionally how we look at jujitsu and that's the effectiveness. Jiu-jitsu is, jiu-jitsu is the best and all this stuff. Now you get, you know, a new person or someone from Sambo or whatever will come in and be like, oh, that's jujitsu or let me go ahead and kind of f- flip it upside down a little bit and Maybe. change what this jujitsu is. And they're like, we don't like that kind of thing. Yeah, that could be why. I'm just saying I'm not that's thinking. what could I've heard. Could be why. Yeah. Could be why. So let me ask you this. I have I have heard like that 
people's initial reaction. I, I think I've heard Dean say this. Like, if your reaction is like, "Oh, that's not good for my game," we'll just outlaw it. Yeah. That, so there's so that that's as well. what it resulted in. Yeah. Because all jujitsu guys are training this. Specific well, and that's way. what judo did. Hey, ju- uh, double leg takedowns are not good for judo against a wrestler. You get someone that's been wrestling for yeah. 27 years yeah. and they come into into a judo competition, they hit a double leg, it's yeah. not good for the judo player. Yeah, they're so guess what? kind of thing. Yeah, and so guess what? Outlaw them. Yeah. Which is a bummer. Right. And so yeah, I'm not I'm not pro-outlawing anything. That was the ultimate point there. That's what I heard. Yeah. Check. So let me ask you this. Do you think in training, heel hooks with the gi, just you personally, you think they should be allowed? Heel hooks with the gi. I think they should be allowed every time, all the time, everywhere. But they are not right now, and therefore, in my mentality, yeah. is like okay, because I'm not going to put myself into a position that a heel hook is available to you unless I know that they're not available. Exactly. Yeah, I did, and I dig it, and actually, I agree. That's the same thing. Like, like if we were going to roll, and I just did it, no good. But if I said, hey, before we rolled, like when we're walking, or even right before we kind of you know shook hands, or whatever, I said, hey, heel hooks are a go. That would change the game. Yeah, it would change the game for sure. Okay, so same thing like if you're doing no gi. And you know how guys like they just don't know or whatever and they'll grab your shorts, they'll grab your shirt, rash guard, mm-hmm. whatever. They'll grab it, you know, because they just don't know. Even if you, it's the same deal, less dangerous, of course, but same deal where it's like when you start doing that, they'll stop and be like, hey, you can't do that kind of thing. Yeah. But if you say before you roll, hey, yeah, you can grab shorts, whatever, up to you. Just don't pull them off or something like that. It's kind of one of those deals. Yeah, you could, I guess, make some ad hoc rules before you start rolling, but yeah, or just go with what's universally accepted at this time. Slaps in the face are legal. Sometimes. It's cool. Whatever. Check. All right. Well, like I said, a lot of stuff to learn from judo and jujitsu to make yourself better in those sports and in life. So, good. Yeah, the... I I was actually pretty, I don't want to say impressed, but pretty, yeah, impressed with the whole book. Yeah, yeah. Except for the part about telling people how to eat. Telling people how to eat. Uh, the calisthenics are no good. Yeah. Uh, being buff is a waste of time. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's definitely some. and I, I There's some truth to that you one, know, there's, It's weird because as I'm preparing the podcast, I'm like, okay, do I just say the things in here that I agree with? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's one way I could do it. Mm-hmm. Do I... Because one thing that's I, I was thinking about, when I read a quote from a book, people, do they kind of think like, well, I agree with that, yeah. like I support this, mm-hmm. unless I outwardly just reject it. Yeah. And I kind of did half the book where I was like, well, you know, I, I don't really talk about that because I see where he's coming from, but that's not really my gig. And then I got to other parts where I was like, I have to talk about the fact that he thinks that this stuff is, you know, this is a completely different than what I think, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, tr- I guess I try and explain myself as I talk about it. But, yeah, there's, there's definitely some things that, that I don't agree with. There's some things that I don't agree with about, about judo. Like, you know, there's things that I don't agree with about jiu-jitsu. I th- that's why I think there's a good mixture of the two that would be very powerful. Yeah. Bring, we need to bring Dave Camarillo on. Yeah. Agree. Or, you know, some of these other guys that have grown up in judo and are savage at jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Agree. So, anyways. Cool. Well, speaking of, you know, getting better in jiu-jitsu and getting better in life. Sure. Any suggestions on how people could get better? Yeah. So, when you get, when you start doing jiu-jitsu, what kind of gi you're going to get. That's probably mm-hmm. one of the one, two, three, maybe four 
questions you're going to have, the first four, what kind of gi you get, you get, that's going to be one of them. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. That's my uh, prediction. Um, shoot, you can be in jujitsu and still say, hey, what kind of gi should I get? You know, new gi, whatever. Anyway, here's the answer. Origin. You get an origin gi. That's what you do. Because they are factually, factually, see how rigid I'm being right there, mm-hmm. factually the best gis there are. All made in America, by the way. Different types of gis there. They got some new stuff, by the way. Pete just sent me some new stuff. It's not that new. They're just different, like, styles. It's not gis. It's uh, what I get, some sweats. Oh, okay. Which happened to be, happened to be the most comfortable sweats in my experience, he sent you new life. stuff, and he didn't send it to me. Sorry, bro. You know, some they people, must be joggers some, or some something. People, they are. They told me are, and they're yeah, cool. they're so really good. But nonetheless, back to the geese. Um, yeah, get them at originmain.com. That's a good one. Support yourself. Support the jujitsu. Support life. Support, support podcast, America. America. Oh yes, because they're made America. in America. Yep. From the dirt to the shirt. From the dirt means to the shirt. The cotton that is grown in America gets. Yeah. Turns into a gi somehow. Pete does that part. Isn't it kind of cool to think that when you put on a gi, like there's that 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 gi came from a factory in Maine, came from a from a factory in Maine that was built specifically to make jujitsu gis, and that there's people up there, workers up there, craftsmen up there that are sewing that gi for you. And yeah. then it gets put from Maine into a bag and sent to your. Isn't that kind of right? It is. Yeah, I, you know. It's not like can a gi can a gi have soul? I'm going to ask you that question. <laughs> can a gi have soul? We don't it's, know the answer to that metaphorically question. Metaphorically speaking, but, I guess. Yeah. But we can make it a, an assessment from the outside. Yeah. If a gi has soul, then you'd want that soul to come from Maine. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> and if certain geese had souls and some geese didn't have souls, you would for sure want the gee with the soul. Yes, hundred percent. And if geese do indeed have souls, which I tend to believe they do, they could. Then yeah. you'd want the good souls, the American souls from sure. Maine. Yep. Well, if Pete starts making shoes, you'll know that they'll have souls. Wow. <laughs> Echo made it funny. Nonetheless, originmain.com, that's where you get them. Also, in jiu-jitsu. Okay, we've got to be honest here. In jiu-jitsu, it's physical. You twist your arms and your neck and your body. Not twist like injure it, but, you you know, it gets some work. Yeah. Yeah. And with work needs recovery. With recovery comes supplementation, good supplementation. Krill oil. Mm. I feel like I've said the word krill oil probably more than I've said any other food item or dietary supplement in my whole life. Good. I'm kind of happy about it yeah. because of how beneficial it is. Got, a, got more krill oil, too, by the way, from Pete oh, with nice. the joggers, which are nice, by the way. Um, also, another one called Joint Warfare. These are all Jocko supplements, by the yeah. way, if you yeah. didn't know. Super krill, not just regular, super, no. Jocko super krill. Joint Warfare, which is another formula for joint maintenance, reconstruction. Someone said, hey, I got knee surgery. Is this going to help me? Yes. Yes. It will help your knee recover, especially the meniscus situation. Too. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Anything where, okay, so mani- I'm not going to go too deep into it, but anything involving cartilage, like these that don't get a bunch of blood flow. Oh, okay. You know? yeah. Yeah. They, they tend to degenerate over, well, everything degenerates, but over not time. Everything. Not well. for everyone. <laughs> 
Yeah, no complacency, right? Yeah. No backing off. Nonetheless, joint warfare, that's a good one. Maintain the joints. And this goes for any kind of physical activity. Your joints will thank you. Or you'll thank your joints. You'll thank Jocko for Jocko Krill Oil and Joint Warfare. Also, discipline. Not just regular discipline. There's a supplement discipline. It's a pre-mission. <laughs> Cognitive enhancing. Yeah, because... People were making stuff that helped you physically, like a pre-workout, and then they were making nootropics that would help you mentally, like your cognition. Sure. And, well, in my job, especially my old job, guess what I needed? Both. Both, yeah. I needed to be mentally sharp, and I needed to be physically sharp. Yeah. So I wanted everything in the same, like, mix. Sure. Bland. That's gotcha. why we made the discipline. Yeah, and you didn't want to do the pre-workout, and then boom, and then, okay, let me go ahead and no. take the other one right here. Okay, no. boom, and then, you know, you wanted to- Get them both. Get them both one time. One hit, one win. And you feel it, and it feels good. Yeah. That's what, like, yesterday I was talking about the rounds I did, Yeah, because I knew I was coming, and I was, <laughs> was going to pay the man, so I just sure. hit the discipline. Yeah, yeah. Tastes good, too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Tastes amazingly good. <laughs> What's interesting about it is because that's yeah. monk fruit. Yeah. It's monk fruit. You know what about monk fruit? No. Monk fruit is the sweetener that's used in discipline. It's mm -hmm. like whatever, 87,000 times sweeter than sugar, but it's just a so they fruit. Just put a little bit in. So there. you only need a little tiny bit in there. Yeah. Low glycemic and index. It's low on the glycemic. Low index. on the glycemic index. Sure. So yeah. it doesn't give you the insulin spike. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And we'll just say and there's that's good. Oh, yeah. And just so people know, there's caffeine in it. Uh, but there's only 15 milligrams of caffeine, so you're not going to get jittery, but you get a little, a little microdose. Yeah, of get some a little help, a little, little caffeine Along helper. With the other, but monk fruit also it like helps in a it's it's legit. Yeah, other benefits legit. on that one. Yeah, Nonetheless, ca bennies. it's called discipline. Tastes good because Jock wants it to taste good. Yeah, that kind of freaked yeah. you out. Yeah, it threw me off for sure. You thought for maybe I just want things to taste horrible, so it nah. takes more discipline to no, drink it. Not black and white like that. I was like, hmm, interesting that that was part of the focus. But hey, good. I say good. Well, you're gonna be really happy that I have this attitude when the when the protein comes out. Sure, mint chocolate. The, chip. Yeah, the mint chocolate. Chip. You, you know, um, just FYI, mm -hmm. it's not normal, and it's got the monk fruit in it, so that's the sweetener. So it tastes delish, and it doesn't taste like anything else. There's no way that it could taste this good and, and be oh, what and it is. Gotcha, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So All I right. just made up, I had to make up my own name for it. Yeah. 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 I dig it. You did the right thing. You did the right thing. It's called you know, Molk. M-O-L-K with the umlaut over the O. You know why? Tribute no. to Motorhead. <laughs> layers, bro. Layers. layers. <laughs> good, man. I, I think that's good. So, yeah. It, Pretty soon people are going to be on the mulk. When is that? It's a couple weeks. We've got it. We went through the final testing. It's so, uh, it's so, it tastes good. It's easy to digest. Easy, all the good things. Yeah, because, and they, so remember back in but the day. But especially it's mulk. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It kind of sounds like mead. This is like, I don't even know what to say. This isn't, it's not like a chocolate milkshake. It's not like a protein shake. It's like, it's like. It's like Mulk. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> no. Remember yeah, uh, Mega Mass, I think it was 5,000 or 3,000? Mega or Mass 5,000. Was it 5,000? Probably. No, it was 1,000. 2,000. 500, it might have been. Okay. 
I think that was at South Park. That was five thousand. Right? With double super colostrum seven. <laughs> super, I don't know. We always had these crazy. Know. We used to make fun of those. Names. Nonetheless, it was super delicious. It was oh. like a big like dog food bag oh. full of Mega Mass five hundred or whatever yeah. it was. Chocolate, you drink it and it tastes straight up like a chocolate milkshake. Yeah. And guess what? It probably was just a chocolate milkshake. Yeah, I was milkshake. gonna say that's the thing. That's yeah. You see all kind of like quote health foods nowadays. They're like, oh, this pro. You look at the look at the thing on a protein bar, yeah. And then compare the protein bar to a Snickers bar, yeah. And it's like the same content inside <laughs> same of stuff. it. So yeah, whatever. Yeah, has to be careful. I saw a health. That's what's cool. That's what was cool about discovering the monk fruit is yeah. is being able to make stuff taste really good without having the crap. Uh, artificial sweeteners in it. Yeah, in a way, that's kind of going back to your roots, right? Like yes. where, where it's like, okay, we got sweetness. Sweetness is a thing. It's a yeah. natural thing. We like it, you know, for a reason, all this stuff. Cool, man. Don't do away with the sweetness. Yeah. But, you know, when you start engineering foods to like, to, to kind of like the <laughs> advertising I was talking about. I but say, wait, maybe I should come up with something that just tastes horrible. You just have to gut check to taste it just to test yourself mentally. Yeah, yeah. See how good that does. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm sure everyone will get that. I'll stick really, the milk. Yeah, yeah, the milk. The, who made that word up? You? Oh, yeah, yeah motor. Yeah. Gotcha. Nonetheless, that's going to be available. The milk is going to be available in a few weeks, apparently. Yeah. Uh, for the Joint Warfare and Super Krill. And this is a good idea, by the way. Do the subscription, the recurring where you get, so you don't got to remember no. when you get down to your last three pills, because you don't know. If you have like six pills, that's two days in my case. I yeah. don't know how many you take, but I mean, I know how many you take, but I don't know how many other people take. You get six pills in there. You don't know how many pills in there. You get one pill. Okay, I know there's only one. Yeah. By that time, too late. Even six pills, technically, it's almost too late, pretty yeah. much. You go subscription. Don't worry about that stuff. Boom. Get the subscription. Um, also, like we said, geese, rash guards, compression gear, joggers, most comfortable ones in the world. In my experience, I don't know. Maybe there's a more comfortable one. Maybe not. If there is, I have never seen it. Do the joggers Them. have a soul? <laughs> Probably. Felt like it. <laughs> they touched your soul. That's the important <laughs> they thing. They comforted it, for they sure. They comforted 100%, your soul. 100%. OriginMaine.com. Good way to support. Also, in Maine. The jujitsu immersion camp. Immerse yourself in jujitsu for half a week, right? Half a week and a half a week. There's like two sessions. Yeah. Can you do both sessions? Yes, you can. I mean, is that like a thing? Of course. Oh, you, yeah. You know? Okay. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So there's an option for yeah. that. Boom. One week immersion into jujitsu. Just learning. You know, it's not like boot camp where like, you know, you're going to be forced to do a bunch of calisthenics, which we don't advocate apparently anymore. Oh no, book. we still we still advocate calisthenics. I advocate calisthenics, especially like a burpee situation, For which sure. I think is I advocate all kinds of calisthenics, all calisthenics actually. You can't show me a calisthenic that I don't advocate. Even though people like are like sit ups are no good, they work your psoas muscle, they don't even work. No, I advocate them too. I like strong psoas muscles, yeah. by the way. Yeah, good. You yeah, the they used to tell me they were like, well, that doesn't even work your abs. It works your psoas muscles. I was like, cool, I have strong psoas muscles. Next question. Yeah, first off, yes, they do work your abs. Trade, trade. Don't do sit-ups for one year. Yeah, do all your other stuff. Yeah. And then do uh, five sets of burnout sit-ups. And then see if your abs are sore the next day. Don't say <laughs> that. it doesn't sit-ups? Burnout means to failure. Oh, okay. That's a burnout Can set. you even do sit-ups sit to failure? Oh, yeah. It's hard. And, and it's going to burn. How much time you got to have? Uh, yeah, bro, you time. have the whole day. Here's the thing. Oh, okay. The point isn't how many sit-ups you can do or don't can't do. The, the point is saying people saying sit-ups don't do your ab muscles. They do hip flexor and so they do that too, but they do your ab muscles. Nonetheless, I agree with you. Do you do jumping jacks? Yeah. 
I do jumping jacks too. Actually, I did jumping jacks last week. It was, was part a, of a Metcon, but still. There was an old old team guy workout. <laughs> jumping jacks, pull-ups. I'm sorry, jumping jacks, push-ups. You just do jumping jacks and push-ups. And yeah. you think it's no big deal, and then like you're 45 minutes into it, and you're like, I hate jumping jacks and push-ups. Yeah, I don't know if I'd ever do something continuously for 45 minutes. Yeah, well, that would Maybe just be like the first half of that workout. That's <laughs> <laughs> stupid. Yeah, yeah, that one would get, especially after it, hey, you want to do that anything, again and again. You can do any exercise, and you can make it suck after 45 minutes. Yeah. Like there's, I can't even think of an exercise that doesn't suck after 45 minutes. You know what you used to do in buds? Neck rotations. You used to do that in the teams too. Yeah. You're just yeah. laying down. That's like. A, You're like, oh, okay, I'm just going to lay down and move my head around. Oh, cool. laying down. Yeah, I never Yeah, you down. lay down neck rotations. One, two, three, yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, do that for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life, but yeah. I'm glad we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Check. The met well, you, I figure the key would be if you don't like the whole forty-five minutes thing, is you do something that's hard enough of a movement that you don't have to do for forty-five minutes. Yeah, that's that's good if you don't want to just do something that sucks for forty-five minutes. I did a metcon like just kind of representative of what you were talking about earlier, where it was um, it was like how many of this these two movements you can do within a certain oh, amount of time. Yeah. So I which was different. Usually I set my rest time to a certain time. And I do them, and boom, and yeah, that was a good, good little change up. Yeah, do that. Or you can do the jumping jacks and pull ups for forty five no, minutes. Jumping jacks, I, push ups. Know, this would push-ups. be a time when you wouldn't even have pull up bars, so we're like on a sh- straight back up in of the, the ship or something. Yeah. Like, okay, jumping jacks, push ups. Yeah. Everyone just goes, oh god. <laughs> boring, boring workout. Nonetheless, back to origin, jujitsu camp. You won't be doing jumping jacks, push ups. Hundred no. percent. Unless you want to, then yeah. you can. You know, uh, but it's more learning jujitsu, practicing jujitsu. No pressure, unless you put some pressure on yourself, which yeah. I recommend. Yeah, do that. Too. By the way, and roll with everybody. You know, do some. What's the word? What's the rolling? Randori. Randori. We'll be doing some randori and some nawaza and some kata and some a lot of kata. Yeah, by the way, kata too. Yeah, good. A lot of good instructors there. there. I'll You'll be there. Be there. I will be there. Dave Burke is going to be there. Dave Burke's going to be in the house. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> He's got the bug. Yeah. Yeah. Get some. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't talked to JP and or Leif. See if they're going to roll up and roll. Oh, about the camp. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. But yeah. Nonetheless, it is August 26th through September 2nd of this year. Also, speaking of boring workouts, Jocko workouts. Doing 45 minutes of jumping jacks and push-ups. I don't think so. But if you want an interesting where actually I shouldn't I shouldn't give you give you crap about it because I did look on your Instagram and you had like some Bulgarian bag yeah. on there. So yeah. you gotta you vary your workout. Oh yeah. Your workout gets interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah interesting. Okay, I dig it. Credit. Very interesting. So if you want to make your workout interesting, get some new movements, new equipment in there, go to onit.com slash jocko slash jocko. Go in there, get you some good kettlebells. Even though kettlebells, I guess, ultimately could be viewed as boring. You can make them boring. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of if the point. If you're boring. Yeah, you know what? Ultimately, <laughs> that's really what it is. Because even me doing the same Metcon that I do all the time, all I did was switch up like one teeny tiny thing. So it was more about me than the, the workout. For sure. Or it was a workout about, about the equipment, less about the equipment, more about me. Nonetheless, if you want to make it about the equipment, Ana has the equipment. Maces, steel bells. See, I haven't even done that. That's mm. like some advanced creativity stuff. <laughs> uh, you know, battle ropes, all this stuff that'll get you functional strength mm. and actual strength. Mm. 
just joking. Bonus. That's, a, that's a, you know, thing. Anyway, on it.com slash Jocko. Good spot. A lot of good info on there as well. Also, when you get this book called Mind Over Muscle, I'm going to list it. Can you get it on Amazon? Yep. Okay, I'm going to list it on the website, jockopodcast.com. No, this was handed down to me through the ancient tradition. Nope. Of, no. Bro, whatever. You, you had a book before that wasn't available, and yeah, it looked yeah, kind of yeah. like that. True. True. Yeah, yeah, one of these old school, old style yeah. books. Nonetheless, not this one. When you get it, don't worry. Go to jockopodcast.com. I'll put it in the book section with all the books. Boom, click through there. Good way to support. And you get the book. Boom. Also, if you're doing other shopping, go ahead and continue doing that. Get the leaf blower. It's about to be, actually it's going to be summer before fall, huh? So so maybe get a weed whacker. Weed whacker, some sunscreen, some surf shorts. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get, get all that stuff. Good way to support and support yourself. Also, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever your preferred podcast listening device slash application is, subscribe. Good way to support. Also, if you want to leave a review, don't hesitate on that one. Do what Kano says. Make a decision about leaving a review. Make a decision and just go. Don't hesitate on the review. Just do it. Leave it. Like everything in life, you know, reviews no different. Also on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want. If you care even a little bit about the video version of this podcast and what Jocko looks like. And I I don't care if you care about what I look like. But again, and I still get this, by the way, I guess apparently I don't look how I sound. Is there like, can you match up a voice to a face? You kind of yeah. can, huh? Yeah, you can. Yeah, like you. For sure. But it's not like a one-to-one. It's kind of like a, a like you hear the voice and then there's this ambiguous kind of group of faces that might go with it. You know, yeah. it's one of those deals. It's not just one face comes to mind and that's kind of, it's not that. Mm. But it's like, I guess my face falls way outside of the group of faces that practically, I may mean, not practically, but that, that seemingly probably. probably match my voice. Different. I guess that's that's what I hear too. Apparently, I still hear it. So if you care. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. I guess technically you wouldn't have to subscribe to You just look at it. But if you want to support at the same time, if you want, subscribe to the podcast on YouTube. Also, we have excerpts on there. So that's another reason, by the way. You know, you want to share these shorter excerpts with people. Have them watch them. Boom. YouTube is the place to do it. Also, some enhanced excerpts. That's what I'm calling them today. Mm -hmm. Enhance. Put some music on there. Make you feel good about it. Here's the thing. You advocate discipline. Like the way you feel doesn't matter. I would yeah. say this. It matters less than discipline. It still does matter. Mm. Yeah. When you're fired Especially up to go do a workout. <laughs> Whatever, bro. When you're fired up to go do a workout versus a day when you really don't want to do a workout. Why is it then all the time people are like, oh, I didn't want to work out today, but I did anyways, and I set a PR in my whatever. Yeah. Why that, does that happen? That happens sometimes. So your theory is sure. wrong. No, 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 no. Lock no. it up. No, I wasn't done with my theory. <laughs> <laughs> if you feel like working out, you're fired up to go work out. That's going to be a good workout. Chances are not all the time. I get it. If you really don't feel like working out, you're dragging ass dragging. You got 5.5 hours of sleep and you're not Jocko, by the way. And you're, you ate some Snickers Ugh. or something like this. And you're like, dang, I still got to work out. You really don't feel like it. And you have a bunch of other stuff to do. And you go work out. Did I ever tell you about snickerdoodle? No, what uh, is? I mean, this, I know what us no, 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 no. is. This guy in the teams whose name happened to be Nick, sure. and we were like new guys, 
and we went on a compass course. The only food that he brought out in the field was was Snickers. <laughs> like you know, like the twelve <laughs> yeah. pack of Snickers. Sure, sure. Yeah. I assume. Yeah. He brought he bought like three twelve packs of Snickers, and, that and that's his... all he brought for five days. Dang. It didn't go down well. No. Yeah. I wouldn't think so. He got a mega diarrhea case. <laughs> He was so the whole marketing. So his nickname was Snickerdoodle after that. Oh, his gotcha. name was Nick. Yeah, Snickerdoodle. Stick- pretty funny. Yeah, and he was the- pretty bummed out actually after that one. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. We had a guy named Snickers on our football team at UH. Snickers. He was like the, he was the center. Oh, that was his last name. No, oh. that was his nickname. Full on. But I. Dude, that's how you know how certain guys have their nickname is so strong. You don't really you know like you. Yeah, like, yeah. It was like that. Nonetheless, back to the point, if you're fired up to go work out, chances are you're going to have a better workout. Same thing with the Jocko's message. If you're fired up to listen to it, it might sink in better. Might. You put some good music on it, boom, might sink in better. It might. I don't know. That's why it's enhanced. That's why it's enhanced. You know, special messages. Nonetheless, the point there is subscribe to the YouTube channel if you want. Good way to support. Also, Jocko has a store. It's called Jocko's Store. Jocko'sStore.com. Patches are in. Guy's been hitting me up. I haven't seen beanies on there. Yeah, you know, it, we it's a, a process. Well, here's the thing. I we'll, got to we'll prove have them right in time us. for July. <laughs> <laughs> so we got that going for us. Yeah, you know, I'm just. Good job. Hey, man. You know, better late than never, I guess, yeah, with, I guess. with those. In the meantime. Well, it doesn't apply when it's summertime and you get a beanie in the mail. <laughs> does not apply. Well, maybe I'll get the thin ones. It's so just straight do it, late. You do it for. <laughs> there ain't no, there's nothing better about it. Straight late. No doubt about it. Hey, look, you're right. And we're still going to work hard on the beanies and get them. Get them out. Quality. Can't rush. <laughs> Great greatness. Quality. Dude. You know what I'm nine saying. Nine months for you a know, beanie. That's you know not what? about rushing. <laughs> you know could have come with, through with all kinds <laughs> of quality. Like mega quality. In Those <laughs> things could have been knitted from cashmere. <laughs> yeah. Could have grown the cotton. Yeah, could have Get grown Pete on the, the phone right yeah. now. <sighs> all right. Well, I'm going to continue to work. And you know, when they're out, they're going to be out. They're going to be fantastic. They better be. All right, there they you go. They better be amazing. In the meantime. Maybe it takes a lot to get a, a soul into a beanie. Yep, yeah, yeah, it could be. Got it. It could be. In the meantime, there's some cool shirts on there. I think they're cool. Discipline equals freedom. Get after it. That's a good one. Simple, to the point. Back to the book. New Back to shirt. the book. That's a new one. I think we can put out all another book new titles. One. Yeah, all of them on the back. Well, yeah. all the book titles up, up until, until the point. Yeah, so what, up until what podcast? I forget. You should figure that out. That's like a layer. Yeah, should yeah. be the first hundred, but you probably didn't do that. I think it you was hundred. No, no, no. It was like hundred something. Layer's been missed. That's fine. Because then we could have put it on another back of the book at two hundred. Yeah, like the updated version. Missed layer. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Or maybe I'll add a layer because layers are addable. Addable. Maybe you can add layers. You see what I'm saying? Um, anyway, some shirts on there, some rash guards on there, some patches there. Like I said, some women's stuff on there, hoodies, also decals. You know what decal is? Jesse's decals. Jesse's decals. Here's the thing with decals, where they're they're essentially a sticker, right? And we all know what decals. I I understand, but he uses like this. Stu- like the material for this decal is like supposed to survive the apocalypse. No, that's like good. that kind decals. Okay, yeah. anyway, good way to support. Jesse didn't play around with the decals. No, not at all. And this kid, like he was like we, you know, we go back and forth, and he's like, yeah, I make decals. I was like, yeah, that's a good idea, whatever. And then another company called, uh, I think it was called Echelon Front, something like this. They got some decals. 
And I was like, dang, these decals and obviously prompted me to, okay, we need our decals. They're mm. legit. They are legit. Mm. And they're on jockostore.com, by the way. Good way to support. If you want something, get something. Also, psychological warfare. If you don't know what that is, this is what it is. It's an album with tracks of Jocko helping you through. This is what the track is. It's, a, it's not a music track. It's Jocko on there. Every track. Helping you get through your moment of weakness. And we have them. I have them. Jocko has them. Mm. Even though he, you know, is reluctant to admit that from time to time. <laughs> and what it does is, let's say you're going to skip the workout. I think skipping workout, this is my opinion, skipping workout uh, and cheat, not cheating on a diet. Can you cheat on a diet technically? Yes. Yeah. Huh? It's like you're cheating. You weren't you're supposed to do yourself. this and you did it anyway. So yeah. You cheating. betrayed your, your yourself, you know, because you have a future self. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like your self of right now will make like a, a, a protocol, right? And yeah. then your future self essentially cheats on your. Yeah, yeah. I saw some meme of Homer Simpson saying like, oh, this guy's future's not looking good. <laughs> He's yeah. eating like a donut yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Exactly same, right. Same idea. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, technically it is. If you're cheating on your past self on the diet, don't worry about that. You start feeling that feeling coming along, come along. You got a track for that. You just listen to it, and it's and it's essentially like Jocko telling you why you shouldn't slip, why you shouldn't slip down that slippery slope in whatever activity. Some good ones on there, procrastination, all that stuff. So yeah, check that one out. Good way to support. Very effective too. That's on iTunes, Apple Music, no a- Amazon, no, Amazon Music, Google Play, Apple iTunes, wherever you can get. Yeah. MP3s. That's where you can get it. Yes. Also, you can get from Amazon. You can get Jocko White Tea. It tastes really good. It does have 15 grams of caffeine, so that's a little microdose. That's why I put 15 grams of caffeine inside the discipline because that was the dose that I like. It has, but but it's only 15 milligrams, so you don't get jittery. It also has a high level of antioxidants. That's what the pomegranate does. That's why it's pomegranate white tea, and of course. In addition to those things, it is the only white tea that comes the guaranteed 8,000-pound deadlift. <laughs> Solid. So that's good. You got that going for you. Um, even Jordan Peterson now, he, you know, I got a text from him, and he's up to 8,000 oh, pounds dang, on okay. deadlift. Good. So Because he, he was plateaued at 7,000 pounds, as he admitted on... Uh, po- he doesn't like to admit his weaknesses either, but there yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. 7,000 pounds. You mm-hmm. know, pretty, pretty sad. <laughs> Books. Uh, no, now he's at 8,000, so good for him. Oh, good. Yeah, all it took was a little Jocko White tea. Also, we got some books. I got some books. I got a I got a book called Way of the Warrior Kid, The Principles of Being a, a Warrior and Really of Being a Good Human Being, and they're in there, and they are simple, and they're clear enough for a, a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, an 80-year-old to understand them. And it gets better because the story continues in the book Way of the Warrior Kid to Mark's Mission. And this book starts to hit on some other principles in life, keeping your emotions under control, working hard, being frugal, saving money, and also dealing with Nathan James. Nathan James, new bully, psychological bully, a little bit different. Mark wants to fight him. Mark figures, hey, I've been training jiu-jitsu, I'm going to fight this guy. But instead, Uncle Uncle Jake says, no, you can fight him. First, you have to gather intelligence on him. You have to figure out what's going on with Nathan James. Understand why he's your enemy and see if there's another way to solve this problem besides fighting. 
turns out to be very good also. Mark has a jiu-jitsu tournament coming up. And guess what? He doesn't want to compete in it. He doesn't want to do his first jiu-jitsu tournament. Why? Because he's afraid. He's afraid of losing. He's afraid of failing. Fear of failure. That's bad. So he's got all these problems. How does he overcome them? Well, luckily, Uncle Jake's in the house. Uncle Jake is out for the summertime. Gives him a hand. Order. That book is going to be available April 24th. Same thing with all the other books. Well, the last two books that have come out. It's going to sell out. The publisher doesn't understand how many books to make. They want to hedge their bets. So they're just going to make a certain amount. So the more people order now, first of all, you'll get it when it comes out. And second of all, they'll know that they need to make more. And order it from wherever. Order it from Amazon. Order it from Barnes Noble. But go into your local bookstore. This is a mission. Go to your local bookstore and tell them you want the book Mark's Mission. Way the Warrior Kid too. Tell them you want that. That will help spread the word. And also while you're helping out warrior kids, check out irishoaksranch.com where you can get soap made by young Aiden, who's only 12 years old. He's got his own business. And the soap isn't just any soap, it's good soap. And he actually called it Jocko Soap. And the Jocko Soap motto that I made up. (laughs) Aiden gets no credit for this. The motto is, Stay clean. And someone said there's a layer in that. Steak lean. Damn. <laughs> Steak lean, stay yeah. clean. So layers, no big deal. Big time, actually. Yeah. Uh, also, don't forget about the Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. This is the manual for getting after it. Thoughts and actions that will keep you off the slippery slope and to keep you on the path, the path of discipline, and thereby... As the title says, The Path of Freedom. If you want the audio version of that, it's not on Audible. It's an album with tracks. Discipline Equals Freedom, Field Manual on iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Play. That's where you can get it. Also, Extreme Ownership, Combat Leadership, broken down into pragmatic strategies and tactics that you can apply to your business and life. Boom. Still on the Amazon bestseller list. Still on Wall Street Journal. Keeping it real. And if you want or you need to take it to the next level, Echelon Front is my leadership and management consulting company. The overwhelming factor in the success of any business or team is leadership. That's what it is. And at Echelon Front, we come to your company and train and align your leadership so that you work effectively together as a team to dominate your battlefield. It's me. It's my brother Leif Babin, J.P. Donnell, Dave Burke. You can email info at echelonfront.com or visit the website echelonfront.com. And of course, the muster is our leadership seminar. We're only doing two this year. Washington, D.C., May 17th and 18th, and San Francisco, October 17th and 18th. The D.C. muster is two-thirds sold out right now. (laughs) It's two-thirds sold out, and it's going to sell out soon. The SF muster is in October, and it's already a third sold out. So both of them are absolutely going to sell out. We can't expand the spaces anymore. We packed as, as many chairs as there in there as we can and desks, so you, we can't fit any more people. So if you want to come, get registered now at ExtremeOwnership.com. The entire Echelon Front team will be there, all of us, including Echo Charles. And by the way, there's no green room. 
We won't be backstage getting our um, getting our our scalps massaged. <laughs> no, we will be out front. We'll be kicking it with you, interacting, answering questions, talking, eating, working out, hanging out, just basically getting after it with you. So. Come and get it at the muster. At the muster, get registered as quick as you can. And until we do the muster, if you have questions or comments or answers, or you just want to cruise with us, kind of hard, then you can find us on the interwebs, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Defiishibuki. Echo. <laughs> is at Echo Charles, and I am at Jocko Willink. And thanks to you all for listening to the podcast, especially those of you in uniform who took an oath to protect this country, and you stand by that oath literally around the world on the front lines and to the police and law enforcement and firefighters and paramedics and all the first responders that are always on call to help us when the chips are down and that are ready to make that sacrifice like so many did on September 11th. Thank you for what you do. And let's remember and give thanks to the people every day like Jeremy Glick who stood up along with the other members of Flight 93. They stood up and fought when the time called for it. And let us all be prepared to do the same, to stand up and fight if we need to, to be prepared to face evil by staying on the path, by knowing what your principles are and sticking to them. Be vigilant. Pay attention. Pay attention to the little things, the little decisions, the decisions that pull you off the path and onto that slippery slope with bad habits that will let you down at the moment of truth. Watch out for those little decisions. Instead, stay on the path, the path of discipline, the path that leads to security and strength and, of course, to freedom. And that's the path of getting after it. So until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. Out.